BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Very excited about this week's show. We got a special guest coming back to the bandwagon. Mr. Christopher Platt, Mr. Velvet Pipes, the voice of the Chair Shot Radio Network, all of those fancy things. The man you hear on our commercials, all that. He's going to come talk to us because he believes that the uh, film industry is dead, uh, that it died this week, that he's very, very stressed out. We're a little worried. I'm a little worried about about Platt's well-being, his uh, his health and safety. So we're gonna we're gonna try to help him through that. With, with our usual trio folks and let's bring those guys in first welcome in our good friend the lawyer david ungar david how you doing today i'm uh, doing pretty well man glad to see that platt is here a diehard and true cleveland browns fan not a bandwagoner and yeah i just want to know if all the stuff that platt was saying the other night was drunk texting so well, we're, i guess we're gonna, we're gonna find to- out He'll he'll get to speak his piece. Let's also welcome in our live studio audience, Mr. PC Tunney. How you doing, live studio audience? How you doing today? They're feeling very sexy. I like it. And two weeks ago, back back from being on assignment milking goats in Kenya, is our good friend Ray Cash. But Ray, I, I I gotta get your blessing on this because I want to give you a moniker. Like we got Dave who's the lawyer, we got Tony who's the live uh, studio audience. In the last couple episodes that you've been on, you you've been on the pulpit, so to speak. And so I would like to start calling you the Reverend Ray Cash for this show because you've been preaching 
uh, the last few shows. And, and I and oh, look at you, look at you all perking up. Like he's not he's like, oh, so I'm feeling good about this. Uh, what do you, what do you think? Can we can we go with that? Can I call you Rev? I'm actually a pastor's son, so that works perfect. Uh, all right. So welcome in Reverend Raven Cash. So so you know, Tony, you gotta get a, a hallelujah drop or something for the audience. <laughs> like the Dudley boys or something. I'll work on it. Thank you. That that voice, yeah, I'll get right on that. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and finally, yes, we are welcoming back for the first time in quite a hiatus, uh, a semi-distracted Christopher Platt as his Cleveland Browns are putting it to the Tennessee Titans as we record on this fine Sunday afternoon. Platt, it's been a long time. Welcome back to the bandwagon. Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. It's great to be back, man. I always enjoy my times on here. We have really good conversations, and I'm thankful that you guys brought me on. And Dave, to answer your question, yes, it was drunk tweeting, but I, I still feel how I feel. <laughs> Look at this one. You don't have to deal with Andrew on the on the bandwagon nerd, so that's that's a plus. Yeah, blaz. No blaz. Uh, no. <laughs> no blaz. No balls here. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, sir. Plan, I got, I gotta, I gotta check. We're we we don't have like beef, right? Because I was listening to a couple of other podcasts a- ago on on another one of your shows, and you sound a little upset that you hadn't been on a while. I heard accusations of replacements, uh, like like that you felt that maybe the reverend ha- had stepped in. Is it is it, are we good? Are we cool? Are we still are we still friends? You called Ray a got scab. Back with the show, you, you called Ray a scab, didn't you? Oh, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he took my uh he took my uh place as the residential black guy of the chair shot yes <laughs> y'all are replacing me with ray <laughs> pretty much i'm just waiting to get on the drops as soon as i get on all the drops and the commercials you'll you know see what's good. happening here ray how they always pit us against each other brother you come on man <laughs> it, has been hey, it don't bother me because i'm on the up you on the down bro we good word it's like that <laughs> no i'm playing i'm playing i'm playing, I'm playing. i know i, I know i know as an oppressor, this is what we try to do so that you all don't really rise to power. Is like we got to keep you fighting each other. Look at that, man. We've been on the air for less than five minutes, man. You already got the black guys beefing against each other. You, you like you I wrap myself up in a cozy racist blanket, just sort of <laughs> hug myself. What's that say? Hashtag Trump 2024. Okay. <laughs> Oh, doctor. I got to say, I appreciate an honest oppressor, though. I appreciate that. Yeah. You got to recognize what you're doing. There you go. So we do have quite a bit of, we got quite a bit of show today. Uh, Put a bunch of uh, little topics. We are going to talk about, obviously, the big news that got dropped out of Warner Brothers uh, this last past Thursday, I do believe is when it was, which is really what was the impetus for for having this like larger panel. But before we get to that, we do got to talk a little Mandalorian episode 14 short, but important episode just for Ray cash this week. We're going to talk some Hawkeye news because a ton of Hawkeye news dropped and Ray was very, Ray was scooping the bandwagon nerds chat room before I could post stuff about it. Ray was on it. So I know he's very excited about it. And I want to talk about Elliot Page as well, as that announcement happened just after last week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. And I feel like that was a pretty impactful and important statement to uh, to, to follow up on and, and just kind of discuss as a group. And so that's kind of that's the layout for today. Uh, we're going to talk 
future projects. I, I feel a project coming on for next week, gentlemen. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. We discussed it at the end of last week's episode. And with Ray back, I feel like we can go forward with it. But before we do all that, Robert Rodriguez gave us 33 minutes this week. 33 minutes of Mandalorian. And in 33 minutes, probably got as much shit done as any episode in the series so far has done for the Mandalorian. Thoughts. Tunny's Tunny's prediction came true. Let's start there. Tunny finally had Grogu. His prediction of Grogu going to someone else finally came to fruition. A couple episodes later, maybe not exactly who he he we kind of thought maybe a different mentor or Tony kind of spe- speculated a different mentor but this obviously the other very logical way to go as Moff Gideon and his death troopers we got our first look at the death troopers in action take Grogu he is on a starship or on a, on a star destroyer and we left the episode with Mando and Boba Fett <sighs> It pains you to say that. You can literally no. see it. It. Pay- I wish we had video because it pained Patrick to say that. Still overrated. They did more for Boba so. Fett in that thirty-three minutes than they than three trilogy original trilogy movies did in entire an entire Star Wars universe. Like that's all I'm going to say. Boba Fett was way more impactful and interesting in the five minutes of action he had on on this week's episode. But anyway, we have a commitment. We have a commitment from Boba Fett, and I'm going to forget Ming. Um, oh gosh, Ming Nguyen. Yeah, Ming Nguyen's, uh character. I can't remember who she was. We we saw her picked up by Boba Fett at the end of an episode in season one. Um, she and Boba Fett are committed to helping Mando Din to get Krogu back, and Cleveland has scored another touchdown. Apparently yes, so. it's all the uh, uh, theatrics on my end. Yes. Well, anybody uh, want to take the lead on this thing? Yeah, I'm, man, it's weird because I, I, there's been a lot of uh, speculation that Cleveland isn't that good because oh, they not that thing, not that <laughs> thing. Class. Kick him off the call. <laughs> Kick him off the call, please. I should have just brought you in at two two thirty three when we got to the real. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'll no, jump. I'll jump. About this episode, guys, yeah, go for it. Um, dare I say this was the best and most important episode of the series? No, because that was last week. But you can say it if you want, Ray. Okay, I can see that. I, I, but I, more things happened in this. Well, no, last week too. But this, I think this episode answered like three major questions. Number one, um, the the Jedi relationship with uh, Grogu. Because he was in the force heavy. Two, uh, the the final, not final, but the the confrontation between Mando and Moff Gideon and the Death Destroyers. What did you what did you call them? The Death Troopers. Death troopers. Yeah, he that, called them Troopers. So did yeah, call them the Death, death or Dark Troopers. I thought he called them Dark Troopers because I was thrown off, but I'd have to go back and watch. Oh, it. He dark Troopers. I don't know. Started with a D. Troopers the, is at the end. The, the D Troopers. Yeah. Deuce Troopers. There you go. I like that. That was inevitable, too, happening. And Boba Fett and his dad's uh, armor. So 
we got three answers. And it's, I saw a tweet that said, I think you sent it to me. Yeah, those. Uh, there's a picture of the Dark Troopers. It looks, I that, thought he uh, said Dark Troopers. Tunny, um, Tunny sent us the tweet that said that The Mandalorian is really just a show about a guy who can't stop making best friends. Oh, there's no, that, some, was that, was, that was me. It was Patrick, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's something about Mando and how he goes about his business that gets everybody to love this dude. And, and not just him, but my first time getting to say this name, Grogu, he's still a child. Um, but I love the interaction that that initial argument that uh, Mando have with Boba Fett, like, you're not no Mandalorian. Who the hell are you? And then when he finally proved to him who he was, he was like, oh, my bad. You're right. Um, my but, fault. Yeah, my fault. My bad. You know, you ain't got the helmet on either. My bad. Uh, but um, I love seeing Grogu putting it to the stormtroopers at the end. Just like kicking the ass. That was hilarious to me. Um, but no, I, I mean, everything about it was this. I truly think this was the most important episode they've had, even more than Ahsoka, because so much was pushed forward and so much was answered. So I got a couple things to take away moving forward, especially one. What is there? No, two episodes left this two. year. OK, that makes me sad. That's first and foremost. I've already gone into, oh, my goodness, this is going to be gone again forever. And it's pretty much over again now. <clears throat> so that's the that's the half, the glass half empty. Um, the glass half full is, are they going to get Grogu back before the end of the season? And let's think about this. Some kind of signal went out somewhere to somebody and they picked it up. And someone's still coming from what Grogu did on that rock to help them get Grogu. So who are we going to get by the end? And is that like the end of the final episode? So I, they just continue to tell great stories. I mean, I watched uh, another John Favreau movie, the chef um, over the last couple of days when I was off, go watch that. It's on Netflix and watch it with John Leguizamo. It's fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're doing a great job with this show. I'm, I'm sad. It's almost over. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll say this, that it, I don't think it was the most important. I would still defer to last week, but this was right up there. I agree with Ray on that point that they pushed a lot of things forward. And to me, it feels like they've really set the stage for a massive final episode. The penultimate episode next week is going to be uh, very interesting to see. I, I think, you know, you'll have the separate forces will be aligned. You will see who's joining Mando. I expect Ahsoka to join him. I expect the other Mandalorians, you know, Sasha Banks, Bo-Katan, or whatever the hell you want to call that group. Cara Dune. Yeah, Cara Dune's already in there. You know, um, Carl Weathers will probably get in there. All of his best friends that he's made, which, to be honest, is very anti-Mandalorian. If you're familiar with the Mandalorian lore, they're not exactly friendly, happy-go-lucky, hey, come aboard sort of guys. You know, they've they've been a little bit historically different. I don't know that Mando's been running around being like, come join me, my friends. He's, I mean, even at the end of this episode, like, he takes on Boba because there's still a debt involved. I want to like, see him kill that goofy mechanic motherfucker that ratted on his ass. Right. I, um, you know, and he went back to, uh, I've already forgotten the name of the planet, to, I guess we're going to get Bill Burr's character back. Is that, is that where where we're going uh, from season one guy he put in jail now going to get out of jail uh, because you know reasons he's not like gathering a 
a band of merry men to to go to and women to go take on the empire it's it's about calling in calling in markers more than anything that to to get what he needs so you know i think that like you see in a lot of westerns the man's alone until he's not alone and then he'll be alone again at the end of this he'll go walking off into the sunset like shane except not dead so i i just i think this is yeah it's building towards a climax that that'll see a lot of these faces come back and that'll be very very exciting the other thing that i really appreciated uh, out of this episode that you it, it just um it, it it was just so dense like and it all just sort of happened so fast and you talked about things resolving this is the first uh this episode didn't have a side quest guys like this just was the quest like he didn't have to do something else to find his way to the temple like he just found the temple it was so weird i didn't expect him to like land on the planet and be like i guess i just put you on this rock let's see what happens yeah but all those side quests kind of now are starting to make more sense which is you know typical Hard side quests. i think so like, i don't know I think, like, like this is going to be his force that he erased difference. What's that? Oh, the frog people coming back. I don't, maybe not, maybe not them, but where's the side quest. Uh, I'm just sorry. I mean, every, to, 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 to that point, everything almost has mattered. Him having the, the Bill Burke episode. He's got to go back and find him because Bill Burr is going to help him find the oh, star yeah. destroyer. Um, the Sasha Banks episode with Bo-Katan. They led him to Ahsoka. The episode of Ahsoka led him to the Jedi planet. Like everything has mattered. The episode with uh, Horatio Sands was when they found out that Moff Gideon was still alive and was experimenting on people. Like everything has ultimately mattered. It's just how big of a thing it is to this point. And today's point, we still got two major episodes as gonna finish telling the rest of the story of this of this season. I loved how Boba Fett just took bitches out like he was morgan in the walking dead no blaster just the stick just beating fools asses down with that thing i was like that is that is pretty badass uh it showed power of a gaffy stick yeah yeah he's a, he's nothing more than a tuscan raider on well, that, that, with that a jetpack but it, what it did show is that those those weapons that it made fun of in in the original star wars like they gave him value gave him value in meeting like he crushed a stormtrooper helmet with a gaffy stick like he crushed the helmet. One thing that hasn't changed is the stormtroopers are still pathetic in every way possible. They're not supposed to be good. Like that's the thing. They are the lowest of the like. It's private. It's private dancer walking in there get shot. That's like that's his job. That's his job. I, I love when Ray starts banging on the desk. By the way, that's how you know shit's getting real when Ray starts banging on the desk. <laughs> banging on the desk, Ray. Rev, you okay? Not yet. Give it time. Oh, after the break, I'm sure that, that wasn't me. Yeah. Oh, after, after the break, give it time. I'm sure that'd be some banging. Yes. Can, can I ask you gentlemen a question though? Because I'm, I'm I'm seriously uh, sincere because I obviously I haven't started watching The Mandalorian, hence my radio silence during this ep- this whole soliloquy. But when do you guys? find time to watch all these shows like seriously i understand we're in a pandemic but you know you've got jobs most of y'all y'all, y'all got kids and you play video games as well where do y'all find all the time in the day to watch all these shows 
It's 30, 35 minutes once a week. It was a 38 minute episode, Black. <laughs> this one was, this one, I mean, 33 with credits, though. It was really 20, 30 minute episode before the credits rolled. Me, I, I, me, I cut the time off of the time I take sitting on the crapper looking at my phone. I just cut that time out and it gives me plenty of time to watch The Mandalorian if you add up those seven days. And for some, for some, that's a joke. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I mean, you're the studio audience. I mean, you can go ahead. So, Platt, for me, honestly, a lot of, I, I guess for me, entertainment's my thing. Like, like I love wrestling. Like, cause you know, it's part of, and I forgot to mention this, but bandwagon nerds is part of the chair shot radio network found on the chairshot.com. Chairshot always use your head, but as, as wrestling, wrestling takes up like this one little like corner. But for me, my childhood was star Wars and Spider-Man. And those are like my first loves. And, and then when I got into like seventh and eighth grade, it was Dungeons and Dragons and fa- fantasy and science fiction. And so those are the things that I really embrace and spend like my free time doing. And I've, I, you know, and I use that as an opportunity to share that with my kids. So like the little O'Dowd and I, like we watched the Mandalorian, the little O'Dowd and I, as long as it's age appropriate, like we watched like anything to do with Marvel, like he's in. And so it's, not just it's not it's just my passion like if i can do anything other than what i what i currently do with my life like it would have to do with comic books it would have to do with pop culture and and entertainment that's you know that's why i do this podcast and i i really i just try to divvy up the time like i don't binge watch so you know i don't cram 40 hours of entertainment in a week uh, you know, it's, you know, this every Friday evening is usually because the Mandalorian drops on Friday. Every Friday evening, we crank up the Mandalorian. It's short uh, when it comes to movies and, and that sort of thing. Like it's like that's just what I do with my free time and my fun time when I'm not doing stuff around the house or I'm not at work. Like that's how that's my leisure time. Um, I've become lazy. I don't play sports, for example, anymore. And and see, that's you said you don't binge watch and see that's my thing I'll, I'll cut off a block of time when i don't have anything going on and i'll just dive in and you know I'll, I'll bang out you know seven six seven episodes in a sitting you know what i mean depending on what it whatever it is that i'm watching plus i didn't realize you were a spidey mark i i too am a spidey mark spidey is my guy as well that's funny i didn't know that hey dave i know you want me to but- place orders for spider bots for both you guys i got it i'm on it <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Bots, so the plat and I can battle spider bots. Hey, all kidding aside, there's a lot of conversation in my house about going to Anaheim. But now they're going to shut the state down. But literally, no local official is going to enforce this shit. Our own sheriff came out and said, "I don't care what the governor says. I'm not enforcing this shit." <laughs> I can't wait for martial law to hit our our entire country and force people to not kill each other. That's what it would take, though. Well, before they take those away too or your second amendment rights before they take those away they already took away the first amendment rights you can't say shit anymore but y'all better practice y'all second amendment rights before they take uh, those uh, if y'all talk about mark law just saying the political views of christopher platt are not reflective of the political <laughs> anyway uh but yeah dave no this was an actual trivia question patrick o'dowd's favorite comic book story and first comic book story that he ever got purchased by his grandmother it was Craven, wasn't it? 
It's Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah, Spider Man. Last Hunt. My grandmother bought me those books when I was a, when I was way too young to watch them or read them. What an As, introduction, though, to, to the to, to the entire industry. I mean, you really can't go wrong. Cra- I mean, I Craven guess, the Hunt. Yeah, it's a great story. I mean, I guess if you don't know who Spider Man is, then you'd be like, "What the fuck's going on?" But still, that's a hell looks, of a story. He was, in the black, he was in the black suit, and it wasn't like the black like uh, symbiote suit. Like it was just a black Spider Man suit. And Craven takes over his life and quote unquote kills him, and then commits suicide. Like that, it, like that panel yeah. of like blood spattered painting. How old were you? Is, uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. That comic. <laughs> It explains a lot, man. That's one dark ass comic. Kind of like when my grandma and grandpa took me to see Platoon when I was like six. Oh, Jesus. perfect family movie. Yeah, no doubt, man. Oops. And then my dad took me to see Foreign on the Fourth of July when I was like eight. Well, we talk about your parents really loved uh, you, Tony. If we talk about inappropriate shit parents did, my mom took me to see Fatal Attraction when I was seven. <laughs> you will not be Speaking ignored, Platt. <laughs> yeah. My my grandparents tried to take me to see oh, Eyes Wide crap. Shut when I was ten. <laughs> what? What? And, I, and my mom was like, "No!" And yeah. like, "Why not?" <laughs> what were they trying to take you to see, Ray? Remember that movie with uh, Eyes Wide Shut? Oh, with yes. Tom uh, Cruise and dude, that yeah, thing is... it was basically a porno. Yeah, <laughs> a not really so shitty porno, but yeah, it was a porno. Oh, don't oh, act good. like uh, Nicole oh. Kidman went in there getting drilled by that uh, swole marine dude. She was. Oh <laughs> uh, So back to the Mandalorian. Thank you for that tangent, group. Who all? Who all is going to be charging this? Uh, this? This? Um, sorry, Star Destroyer. Who's? Who's? Who's going to be trying to get on Gideon's ship? We've got the knowns. Who are the unknowns? Who's coming back? I think the three who's Mandalorians it? are coming back for sure. Bo-Katan, Sasha, and whoever the dude is. I think those yeah. are for sures. Um, and then who's going who's gonna to answer the call from Baby Yoda, from Grogu? Well, that's the thing is, is it, we don't know who he had connected to. We're assuming it was a Jedi. Could be a Sith. Whatever he connected to was so powerful, nothing could break through that force field. That shield, Mando tried numerous times, and he couldn't break through there. And whatever it was certainly woke up Grogu's force sensitivities and amplified it because he was tossing stormtroopers around like he was Vader, you know, just, and, and it exhausted him to the point that it was easy for Moff Gideon to take advantage. So I've got, let me ask you guys this. I'm going to throw this out there. Cause this was a big debate we were having. Do we see Thrawn this season? Patrick's muted himself. So he can't even go after this. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I, I give it about a 70-30 chance with the 30 being he appears. And if he appears, it's as an appearance, not as anything impactful. That strikes me as a third season, a later season sort of addition, not necessarily a player in the second season. Like I think about things that they, that you could set up for next season. I think whoever responds to Grogu's call is a setup for the third season. I don't know that he necessarily, he or she or they or it or whatever um, makes their appearance before the end of episode 16. 
yeah. because I think that's just a, I think that's a better cliffhanger. Like if I were writing the show, that would be one of the great like leaves for the next season. I think Thrawn is the same way. I would say 70% it's going to be Ezra, you know, and I show, I shared with you that, that thing from the end of rebels, the Ahsoka versus Darth Vader showdown. Um, and Ezra was in that. He seems the most likely choice out of the Jedi who are still out there that they could bring him in and have an impact. But the 30% of me that's with you, Patrick, says that at the end of this whole thing, they fight through everything. And at the very last minute of episode 16, it's Thrawn with Grogu and he just takes him and leaves. And that's the cliffhanger for season, the end of season, which would be, you know, that'd be very Empire like if they did that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't buy that necessarily. I don't, I just, that doesn't feel like the story they're telling, but that's, that's just me. Um, so yeah, I, when, when, when the name Thrawn got dropped, everybody in their brother, like every freaking nerd site you could imagine immediately went to casting Grand Admiral Thrawn and you don't drop the name without purpose. So I'm sure that we're going to, to get him. Like you just don't do that and then leave it. I just, I think that it's a little premature to think that he's he's it. Who would you cast for that? You got any ideas? I got one that just jumped in my head. Hugo Weaving. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was one that jumped into my head. I, I, nah, I, I. This is who you're casting. Henry Cavill. Yes. Henry Cavill. 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 Him too. Yeah, because he does so well in superhero movies. Bite your tongue, sir. You haven't watched The Witcher, then. It's not his fault that both the Justice League and Superman Dawn of Justice suck. It's We all know it's Zack Snyder's fault. Let's let's be real. Superman can't be emo, man. That doesn't make sense with the mythos. It's going to be Robert Downey Jr. Oh, God. Would that be something? You know, that would be so on Disney. Like, wouldn't it? It would be a relationship. They do their boys. It'll be Robert Downey Jr. Jr. <laughs> It'll be Keanu. Keanu Reeves will show up as Thrawn. Ray, do you have any thoughts on this matter? Um, For the class? Reverend? No. I I, I think I like the Hugo Weaving choice because I don't think he's anything in, in anything major right now that would kind of hold him back. And we know he's a great character actor. I like the Hugo Weaving choice. So for it's those he's got too much money. Right. And for those of you who may be wondering, Hugo Weaving, you may remember him from the Lord of the Rings trilogy as Elrond. You may remember him from the Matrix trilogy as oh God, I'm gonna forget Agent his Smith. name. Agent, Agent Smith. Smith. I, I kept hearing him say Mr. Anderson in my head, and I was going to say Mr. Like, Mr. Anderson. He and was he also was the first Red Skull. And he was, was the first Red, Red School. That's right. He was V for Vendetta. He was V That's for right. Vendetta. That's right. So I think um, What's he, Christopher Walken think he doing? Carry that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Christopher Walken? Survive. No, not Walken. Christopher Walsh, Walken. the dude that's in all the, the latest uh, Tarantino flicks. He's also a good character actor that might be able to fill that yeah, role. Uh, I'm just that. throwing names out there now just so I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> you like to hear the sound of your own voice. I, I get you. <laughs> Wouldn't you? <laughs> they don't call you velvet pipes for nothing but anyway i think you know i think we saw a breakneck pace of an episode this week i think we got two more i think we got one more episode of of a real breakneck paced 
sort of. And actually, you know, the more I think about it, episode eight of Mandalorian, the first finale, that was a fast paced mm-hmm. showdown, exciting thing. So we could be in for quite a ride here on out. I think we get a little bit of a build and then action picks up in the second half of next week. And then the last episode is just go, 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 go. And we're going to get some big reveals. We are going to get some downtime at the end of that episode before they really put you up on a tee to get you excited for chapter 17. Cause that's how this show has worked so far. I'm down, man. I know Platt asked, when do you watch this stuff? Like I got a whole house full of people who are like literally waiting there for midnight for the shit to drop. And it's like, all right, it's here. Let's go. Yeah. I'm not that guy. I, I, I'm not not either. Everybody else is more of a Saturday morning, like Saturday morning with a little O'Dowd crank up, crank up the Mandalorian. That that's the way to do it. But enough of that. Let's jump in. Let's make the reverence day. (laughs) I'm actually going to carry this one because You you said in the chat you were like I love Hawkeye so why don't we start with this because they made they made a ton of announcements casting announcements for who is going to be in the upcoming Disney Plus Hawkeye series I've got it up here I've got the article uh, with the list of folks but I figured we'd kick it to you because when I was like man you just keep scooping me you were like I love Hawkeye so Platts left he's done tell us. Your Hawkeye story. Why do you love Hawkeye so much? Um, well, f- for the record, Hawkeye is my favorite Avenger and my favorite Marvel character. Really? Um, yeah, he is. Out of all um, of them? Out of all of them. Wow. So initially, and uh, this is pre-Avengers movies. It's not a Jeremy Renner thing. I think he's done the character well, but it's not just because I saw Jeremy Renner. I've always had a thing for archers. I've always enjoyed seeing archers or reading about archers because I... As a comic book fan, I've always liked... It's the reason, Dave, we talked about why I don't like DC as much as Marvel. I like people who have flaws. So, like, it's if you're, if you're impossible to beat, it's not interesting to me. And so there's something really interesting to me about Hawkeye, a guy who's, who's deaf and who's... I mean, he's skilled, but literally he just... He shoots a bow and arrow most of the time. Like, stab him, shoot him, that's it, it's over. He falls from a building. He's dead. Um, but it was the Matt Fraction series that like completely made him everything to me. The comic book series, which is what this Hawkeye series, uh, this Hawkeye Disney Plus TV show, is taking a lot of uh, taking a lot of influence from. This is the uh, series that really went into him and Kate Bishop's relationship. The introduction of Lucky the Pizza Dog. The um, Kind of, it's it's the first comic I've read that's shown what a superhero does when he's not a superhero. And I thought that was like the coolest process for a comic. And this is when I really got a chance to learn more of the backstory of him about him and his brother and how his brother came back to be a supervillain and about how him, how the swordsman kind of used him as a pawn. How I didn't know Hawkeye was originally a villain. I didn't know that. Um, coming up, he was, you know, I always just thought he was one of the good guys. Um, so reading more about that, and that is still to this day my favorite comic series I've ever read is that Hawkeye, um, series. What I think is what is it called, Life and the Life of a Superhero, or something like that. Um, so because of that, and then seeing going on to see it 
go forward in the movies and having Hawkeye be kind of the heart of the team. It's it's so I've always loved the character and I'm super excited for this TV show, not only because it's my favorite character, but because all of the main six Avengers have had their stories told. Even Hulk, even though it wasn't Mark Ruffalo, they had the movie with Edward Norton, but all of them have, have explored their backstories and who they are and why they are. Black Widow's getting her movie coming out. But no, it seems like nobody ever cared to know why Hawkeye was the way he was. Um, so I'm excited to finally get a chance to see that backstory told leading into somebody who's even more interesting than Clint Barton and Kate Bishop. I, I had no idea you were that into, uh, into Hawkeye, Ray. That's pretty cool, though. I mean, you raise a lot of good points. Yes, He's, um, <laughs> I know Patrick does not like this series at all, but it's one of my favorites. You ever read JLA Avengers, the DC Marvel crossover from like 15 years ago? I did not read that, but I know about it. I have not read it, though. The interaction between Green Arrow and Hawkeye is you would love it. You would absolutely love it because they are so similar, arrogant, pompous, you know, and and in the end, very much one sacrifices themselves for the other. So it's a fantastic story. But um, yeah, Hawkeye's. Um, so, yeah, it's it's um, it's really cool that you have that history with Hawkeye. And, and I mean, he's he's always been a very interesting character for me, because like you're saying, in, in the old Avengers stuff, he started off as a villain with a big influence from the swordsman who I. I think I know we're going to talk about that in a minute, but I'm mm-hmm. thrilled to see that he's going to be brought into this series, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a great story, man. The uh, if Getting closer and going more into the casting, and that I know we'll talk about, the two, the two conspicuous people missing that I think you need to tell the, uh, a true Hawkeye story with both of them. There's no Derek Bishop, Kate's dad, so far, and there's no Madam Mask. I think oh, those I think are integral. Adam Mask is on the horizon. It's gotta be, gotta be. Like, there's just no way you. you I, she's she's an underrated villain in her own right, but yeah, I think I think she's definitely going to be a part of this. You mentioned Swordsman. Yeah, I loved I love Hawkeye. I've loved Hawkeye since his earliest like incarnations as well. I. I think this is interesting because it's a it's kind of a combination origin story. Like we're gonna learn about Hawkeye and his history, but really, this is as much about him mentoring Kate Bishop and starting the next generation of Hawkeye as as it is going to be a story about Clint Barton himself. Looking at the cast and the people who are gonna be joining in different ways, you know, we're gonna see we're gonna see Yelena Belova in the upcoming Black Widow movie, whenever that movie gets released in 2027, hashtag 2027. I'm pretty sure that's that's the date. <laughs> but word is that she's going to be a part of the show. Uh, Vera Vera Farmiga uh, is playing her mother, Eleanor Bishop, which you know that's going to be a big part of the show. Like she's going to be a, a cast reg- regular. The uh, casting Tony, too, by the way, she's uh, she's oh, yeah. phenomenal she's in everything fantastic. she does. Yes, um, Tony Dalton, I do believe, is the one who's playing uh, the swordsman, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Uh, I just I love, and there's some other ones that it's just that, that they're gonna have um, a clown. Well, yeah, the cl- that, oh, so it, if you've never read the the Hawkeye comics with Matt Fraction, please go read that. 
But the clown is a fantastic character. Not the Spawn clown. The clown, and he's fantastic. Go, go, go read that. Right. Echo is great is a great, great character. One of the um characters who takes on the mantle of Ronin in the comic books as well and, and is off forgot. Like so many people know Hawkeye did the Ronin thing, but Echo to me was I like I liked Echo as that in, in that iteration far better than than I uh, than I ever liked Clint. And for me it's just because silly as it sounds, I like Clint in the purple suit. I do right? too. I, I'd agree, yeah. I'd agree, but Clint's done a bunch of different suits. He was he was Goliath, you know. He's, he's been, been a Cap- few different people. He's been yeah. He's been he's done almost everything he can to get away from the bow and arrow. How many times has he come back to life too? I mean, he's been resurrected like three or four times. times. <laughs> yeah, but again, he's a human. He's just a regular dude. Yeah, best Beth's death though was when he like got blasted into uh, what was it a scroll ship or something during the disassembled story like literally shot into a ship and it blew it up. Like it was great. Take Real one quick. For the team. Thoughts on he- What's that? It's a taken one for he the did. team. Yeah. He, he took a big one for the team. So Haley Steinfeld is being cast as Kate Bishop. I, I know her from her role in the Bumblebee movie, which by the way, underrated little transformers movie. Uh, if you've never checked out Bumblebee, it's it's I think it's pretty darn good, a little fan servicey, in in the sense that they they do a lot of original Cybertron looking stuff, that if you were a fan of the '80s cartoon, like people ate up and, and loved to death. But I just thoughts on her as an actress. What do you what do you know her from? What do you what do you think about her? And how how do you feel about that casting? So I originally know her from the uh, True Grit remake that they made a few years ago with um, Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon. She's a damn fine actress, and I think she's going to kill this role. I mean, you got to think, man, if you're like an actor's actor or actress's actress, these superhero movies, man, this has to be your dream come true. Because they give you enough where you can actually act and, and perform your craft, but you also get to go out and kick ass and take names. Like... Is there a better job in cinema than you know going into the Marvel universe or just being a superhero? Period. I don't think so. Why? Why do you think like Oscar-winning actors like Anthony Hopkins and and people like you know Michelle Pfeiffer and all these people keep signing up to have these cameos? Like you know, it, it's got to be something to it. Well, yes, money, of course, but it's got to be something to it as well. I think that and the beautiful and the beautiful thing about it is that any writer who writes a script for an original script for a movie has to create a backstory for a character anyway. Your backstory is already laid out. So you can already have a connection with the character before you even get the role, which I'm sure may help a lot of these people say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and take this role. So, and like you said, the way Feige runs, runs Marvel's movies, the movie division, he gives them a little, impetus to like Scott Lang Paul Rudd plays Scott Lang well but so much of Scott Lang on movies is Paul Rudd it's Paul Rudd yeah you know Downey plays Tony Stark as good as you can play Tony Stark but there's a lot of Downey mm-hmm. in that role and like I don't know if a lot of other movie studios superhero or not would allow that much of I'm not gonna say improvisation but that much of a of a a, a change to the character making them more yourself you wanted you know? him to be an alcoholic ray that's what you're saying you wanted him to be a raging alcoholic 
I want him to be alcoholic, and I need Hank Pym to knock the shit out of Jet. <laughs> Whoa. I'm, Whoa. I'm joking. Whoa. I'm joking. So Maybe remember those bit. episodes where we really cast Christopher Platt in a poor light? I mean, you you know, the Reverend endorsing the meeting of Wobble well, White, like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I just want the story to be told. Like, so, no. so wait Ray. a sec. So Ray, you're really not Reverend Ray Cash. You're Reverend Jesse Custer. Then that's what you're saying. <laughs> Look, I never said which Reverend I was, sir. Okay. I'm glad I didn't tell that story, by the way, because you can't tell that story. But that is an important. Like oh, they've yeah. made they've made Hank Pym out to be like a fantastic human being. Hank Pym yeah. is the worst Avenger ever. He is. He's a terrible, 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 terrible human being as a character. And 1,000, 1,000% agree. I do, I do think that there's an interesting latitude that Marvel gives its actors to put them, like allow them to put their stamp on a character yet still be true to the spirit of those characters in the books. And, and, And I think that you see the difference when the company that created the content has been placed in charge of making the movies and case in point, you look at how poorly Fox has done with trying to create Marvel content or Sony to the point where Sony was like, we give up. Okay. Marvel take Spidey back because they just can't do it. Like those executives just don't know, and it shows. And so I, yeah, I'm I'm feeling good about the cast. I feel like the the cast for Hawkeye looks dynamite. In fact, you look at you do a rundown of each of these Disney Plus series, whether it's you know Scarlet Witch and the Vision or Vision of the Scarlet Witch, whether it's Hawkeye and or I'm not Hawkeye, I'm sorry, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye. Like they all, I can't wait to see what Loki's going to be like, even though it's going to be kind of like quantum leap with, with Loki. <laughs> Cause, cause, and so I think the cast is going to be a bit more rotating a la quantum leap where like you just get guest stars for here and there is with maybe the occasional MCU person popping up. Um, but we haven't heard a lot about what's going on with the Loki series. I think that one's a little bit further down the road. So that could be, mm-hmm. that could be a lot of fun. So yeah, a lot of confidence there. Feeling pretty good about that. Feeling pretty good about this series. I'm ready for January to hit, by the way. That's, we we that's all are, Pat. We all what are. division hits allegedly in January 2021, not 2027. But they it's not, a, it's, it's not allegedly. Marvel's Marvel Studios uh Twitter account has tweeted out January 15th. Yeah, they also Ooh. tweeted out uh December. So you're right, and, but the, they have a date. <laughs> <laughs> salt shaker's handy. That's all I'm saying. Shel- also, salt, salt shaker's handy. Also, Emily Van Camp had an interview and uh, scoops again. Emily Van Camp had an interview and said that uh, to look out for January for Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. Jesus, you think they dropped both? I mean, I'm hoping, but it seems they, like Chris- they got to. Christmas Day is going to be the kickoff to maybe getting the nerd shit going back on a regular basis. Once, <laughs> once Wonder Woman <laughs> drops. And then it's off to the races, hopefully. Well, the reason I said they have to is because chronologically in the way they set phase four off, Falcon and the Winter Soldier had to be first. Right. So, well, no, you know, if you're because gonna, of... If you're going to simultaneously do two, you know, you can probably get away with doing WandaVision at the same time 
because yeah. it's a pop reality in a different space. Uh, and they're setting up, I think, different events in different movies. Like WandaVision is definitely setting up Doctor Strange, from what I understand, like the the multiverse of madness. So I think there's some latitude there and some wiggle. I do. I agree with you, though. You know, a big argument is going to be what happens to the shield with uh, with Falcon and Winter Soldier. And, you know, who 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 is Captain America or who who represents Captain America? And we're going to we're going to get to see that that debate play out on Disney Plus. Hopefully next next year. So we're not that far away, fellas. Six years ahead of schedule, Patrick. We're all, I mean that's great. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Thank goodness for those vaccines, right? That may or may not work. Uh, and people take it if it like just take the damn vaccine. I'm gonna just tell you now. Don't be don't be a weirdo. Don't be an anti-vaxxer. It's messed up. You you just you, you hate science. Spe- speaking of anti-vaxxer, did you want to talk about Letitia right? Or are we just gonna ignore uh, that? We- we gonna leave, we're gonna leave Letitia Wright alone today. <laughs> okay. I I left. I, I to me it falls into the same realm as the Gina Carano conversation that we had a week or so ago too, gotcha. where she like social Nothing media good can come of it. Yeah. Right, and that's the thing: is social media matters for for these folks because they are influential people, right? Like, fuck it, we'll go into it. So Letitia Wright, nice flip flop, Patrick. I do. We don't have to. For, for the record, I'm sorry I brought it up. We don't have to. No, because I think it lends itself well into the last sort of subject. Because as we talk about social media and the reactions to it and the way that it works, and, and you know, you look at Elliot Page and the way that he made his announcement this week, and some of the reactions and responses to that. Celebrities, for for as much as people want to say, I don't understand why celebrities do x y and z we can't deny the influence celebrities carry when they when they post stuff when they share things and and sort of the double the the two sides to that coin that that are out there and i think we saw a very positive social media release with, with elliot's announcement and then you saw what can happen with Letitia wright posting a video that is really all over the place from what I understand. I didn't watch the video. I know it had a lot of anti-vaxxing information on there, had some fake news sort of stuff. But from what I understand, the video itself is like 40 some minutes long of just randomness all over the place. And it, it's hard because it, once again, much like with Gina Carano, people jump to cancel land. And is that what we should do? Okay, so, well, my, my bad, Ray. Go ahead, bro. No, yeah, I want to jump in because I know you're going to have a different different opinion. Um, I don't like the word cancel. Right. I don't, I don't like, like that. I don't like that word because this our world has been built to be transactional. Right. Even if it's not monetarily, it's transactional. Something has to be done for something. There's no such thing as free lunch. The first thing you learn economics. Um. So with that being said, celebrity. It's transactional, right? Even just being a celebrity costs something. You lose your um, you lose your ability to go to a grocery store and or to a mall and 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 just be a regular person. You lose your ability to privacy. The take the trade off is fame and riches. There is a transaction that has to be had. So I don't like the word cancel because ultimately all that's being done when somebody's being canceled is the transaction is being stopped. So, for example, we spoke about this with the Gina Carano situation. If Gina Carano 
if she is becoming too big of an issue for the people on Star Wars and, and Disney, she'll be taken out. That is the viewer saying, I don't like this, transaction canceled. That doesn't mean she's being canceled as a person. That just means that what she offers is no longer more is no longer important or necessary. So these my biggest qualm with society as a, in, as a whole is everybody feels the need, and this is ironic because we're on a podcast now, but everybody feels the need to, to that what they have to say is is more important than the other person. So my biggest qualm with Letitia is the fact that she felt the need to post that shit. That's stupid. And then there, you can make anything you want in a video on YouTube. Right. So to just put a video out and say, here it is, and and the quote she said, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was basically saying like everything isn't what it seems. You got to think for yourself. It, right. it, it's it's just an idiotic move. I don't begrudge anybody for feeling how they feel about anything, even if you're wrong. That's your God given right. Now, how, what you do with it is different, but you can feel how the fuck you want. But to go out then and to use your platform to spread misinformation to disseminate falsehoods to disseminate things that you you can't even stand up behind yourself and 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 speak about from it from a from an from an informed point of view is dangerous and that's why i don't think she's been can't she's gonna be fine this will blow over in three months she's still gonna be the new black panther everything will be fine that's why i don't think she i don't think she's been canceled and that's why i don't have a problem with people being canceled because what she says holds merit. What people right. who have a platform do holds merit, and they have to be held accountable. We can't stop her. We can't stop her. Her. That's yeah. Well, now she's, that's, you got that's Ray right. banging his desk, so it must be getting real. Has hit the pulpit, everyone. He is bringing the fire and brimstone. The, the, the doors of the church are now open. You should burn in hell. No. Uh, but ultimately, that's the only way the masses can make their voice heard. I don't own Disney. I don't have stock in Disney. But you know what? If I got a problem with, with Letitia Wright, I'm not going to go see the new Black Panther. That'll tell them. You're, you're going to go see the new Black Panther. You're right. I'm going to be there open at <laughs> night. And my kid take cloth and everything. You're going to take the vaccine right there at the opening gate, aren't you? Shoot me right now. I'm ready to go in. Ray, you're not going to the theater. You're spending the 30 bucks to watch it on Disney+. Plus. That's what's going to happen. I, I'm a homebody. You're that, absolutely right. But, but I'm going to be in that thing. That's that's for the second half of the show. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in the second half of the show. Platt, you had some thoughts. Why don't you jump in real quick? No, just kind of piggybacking off the, the cancel culture thing. And you know, typically I don't always like having these conversations in public because sometimes I end up aligning myself with people's whose views don't represent mine or people's whose views I disagree with. I, I think it is, but I think it's a slippery slope, man. When, like I talked about earlier, man, the First Amendment right is done. Like you can't say what you want to say. And I think that that's a slippery, slippery slope when you start policing language. Now, that being said, when I have these conversations in public, uh, again, I sometimes tend to align myself, uh, you know, unintentionally with people whose views I don't agree with because they take what I say and they use it as an excuse to be an asshole. If, 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 if any of that makes sense, people just want to be an asshole or be dicks to people and they 
use the banner of freedom of speech to do so. And I, I don't agree with that. But at the same point in time, once you start policing language, I mean, how where does it stop? Once you open up Pandora's box, I don't know where that stops. And just uh, as far as celebrity, celebrity culture, that's another thing that we, we give these celebrities way too much latitude. You know, just because you can sing good or I like some movies you've been in or I like you as an actor or an actress, why do I give a shit about anything else you have to say? Why do I care what Ted Nugent has to say about anything or Terry Crews or insert celebrity there? You know what I mean? Why do I give a shit about well, anything that you have to say? I mean, have you seen Terry Crews do the text thing, though? Like, that's like, <laughs> how can you not listen to that? When in doubt, whip it out. Got me a rock and roll band. It's a free for all. Like, that's when you should listen. <laughs> I didn't know where the fuck you were going with that. I got so nervous. Right. Here, here's here's my response to the, the First Amendment argument. And, and I, I say this all the time. I, freedom, of, freedom of speech does not equal freedom of consequence of that speech. When you make a statement or you put it out there, you you have the freedom to express that. You also have to be prepared that folks aren't going to appreciate that and may push back. And I think that one of the things that's been fascinating with the social media culture that we live in today is that that pushback is much more visible. It's much more pronounced. It's much more out there. And I do like, you know, I, I opened this with that whole like cancel culture thing. You're right. Look at, look at the number of folks who have just like done Don or said things that maybe we diametrically don't agree with, we feel are terrible, but are still with us right now. Christopher Platt, um, Gina Carano, still around right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Teacher Man, Rob. if you don't set your Bob Odenkirk sounding ass up trying to tow me under the sorry. bus, the fuck? I, sorry, I meant um, <laughs> not Christopher Platt. Uh, <laughs> Pratt, P R A T T, not P L A T. I swear to God, that wasn't that was a Freudian slip of all. I really didn't mean that. Oh, I'm, I'm truly sorry. Platt, you'll always be Star Lord to me, again, man. I appreciate again, it. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> not free of consequence, free to speak. But no, Christopher Pratt, um, Letitia writes the just the most kerning. Donald Trump. Like, let's be realistic. The president of the United States says ridiculous shit all the time that is horribly damaging and dangerous, and he's not going anywhere. He's not going to go anywhere when he leaves office because he will leave office. Like, he's going to try to stay, but he's go- He's not going to. He's not going to stay, but he's not going away. And he will continue to be the voice that he is. And that's the other thing of it is, as we talked about this, we talked about Gina Carano. Seventy plus million people clearly hold similar beliefs. And so it's it's just it's a fascinating thing for me. I don't believe that anybody should lose the right to to a job necessarily with you know as as an actor for a viewpoint in the sense that they shouldn't get fired over it necessarily or forgotten entirely. But a company absolutely has the right to say we don't want to associate with you. No, that's that's fair. But I mean can but can we all at least come to the agreement that the pendulum has shifted too far in the other direction at this time? Like, I understand everything you're saying, but it's got to be it's got to be a case by case basis, though. Like, for example, if there's some principal at a predominantly black school that's tweeting racist shit. OK, yeah, you probably need to get fired because you're disrupting the, the futures of these children. But if it's just some random ass actor that played in such and such and they say some dumb shit. 
who cares? I mean, granted, let the market sort it out, but that's not what happens now. We we we're basically Frankenstein and the village. We're Dr. Frankenstein in the village right now. Everybody's coming. Anytime somebody <laughs> says something that doesn't align with what you think, or just the fact that you're just talking. Sometimes when you talk, you're gonna misspeak. I, I and you know it, I, it comes personal to me because I say a lot of crazy shit, and sometimes you know I don't want to be canceled personally. So I understand, man. That the the more you talk, sometimes you're gonna say some shit wrong. But every time you say some shit wrong, or people say shit out of con, or people take what you say out of context, because it's not. It's just the soundbite. Nobody gets what you said before. Nobody hears what you said after. Like there's no context anymore. They come with the pitchforks and the torches, and I just think that that's a dangerous precedent to set on on the 1984 George Orwell uh, uh, Fahrenheit 451 Ray Bradbury side of the game. I, I think that there's also a. Like I think about Leti- the Letitia Wright example, since that's what we're really going, like what we're talking about right now. I also think that there's there's a certain level. Uh, like he, we talk about actors as if there's not, like they're, they're actors or they just do whatever. And, I, and I'll even go with a- like athletes too. Like I'm a big sports fan. You know these are these people are often regarded as our heroes and people to look up to. You know, an actor or a film can have a serious cultural impact to to a group of people. I mean, you look at the success of Black Panther alone. That was more than just a movie. That was a cultural event. Like that, like that was a a cultural touchstone for a lot of folks. And so, when somebody who's a part of that puts something out there that that is, you know, kind of dissonant to that audience. I, I think that again. I think it's it's a byproduct of our of our social media. I don't I don't know that I have a good answer for you, Platt, as to why. Like I don't think it should be that way necessarily, uh, but I, I also think that it is, and and that it is really on the celebrity to recognize their their power, you know, and that they do have influence, and that they do, you know, and I, and I'm not saying that Letitia Wright should stop saying things, right, or spouting what you believe. But I also think that you you have to have a realistic idea of what could happen should you put something out there. Like Ted Nugent, we talked about Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent knows full well what kind of backlash he's going to get when he puts out whatever he puts out. And he doesn't Donald give Trump a shit. Knows full well. <laughs> right, and he doesn't give a shit. And I don't think Letitia Wright gives a shit. Like her response and what she posted showed that this is what – like she is going to stand by what she posted. And for whether or not you agree with what she posted – Good on you for for staying with with your with, with your standing by your statement. She's got a right to have an opinion. That's the First Amendment. I mean, that is protected. There's very few. Here's the lawyerly response. There's very few um, aspects of speech that are prohibited. So, yeah, if somebody wants to come out there and have an opinion, that's protected. They can have their opinion. But like Patrick's saying, expect some backlash if you say an unpopular if you have an unpopular opinion, people are going to backlash against you. And I and I have a, I have a I have a bit of an answer to that question. Um, I've, so one, we have to really understand that nobody forces anybody to be famous. That's a choice. Being famous is a choice. Letitia Wright could very well go and do t- and be a, a computer technician like I am, or a lawyer like Dave. Or uh, an an administrator like Patrick is. She doesn't have to be an actress. Or a god amongst men that's like Platt, choice. you know that sort of thing. You well, got that right. No, that's yeah, not the, a choice. The man. voice of a generation like Platt. Yes, I, I, I was born into this. 
<laughs> she doesn't have to be. So Tony's reaction is priceless. Yes, it is. If she says something that people don't like, that's something she has to own. But I think the answer is when your rhetoric becomes dangerous to people, right. then it's a problem. Like if me and you disagree, and not I'm not speaking to anybody in particular, just in general. Yes, you are. If, well, I'm not. I'm really not. If me and you disagree on healthcare, if I think healthcare should be for everybody, but you think no, everybody is everybody is um, uh, responsible for themselves. That's not a dangerous rhetoric. But if I think you know what, you shouldn't vaccinate your children because they're putting in a such and such and a this and this and a that and that, that could be dangerous because somebody might listen to you and say, you know what, I agree with that. You know, and yes, everybody has the right to feel how they want and ultimately do what they want within the, the laws that are given. But that could ultimately be dangerous when every single factual proof shows that that is a and and I'm not going to call it insane, but an extremely off base opinion. So that's why it's dangerous. That's why it's a problem. And that's why people were upset with her. So like the. the we're speaking of this whole, we wanted to talk about Elliot Page. Kevin Hart, when Kevin Hart got in trouble for the jokes he said about gay people, or when, when uh, Dave Chappelle gets talked about with the jokes he says about transgender people. I think ultimately, personally, I don't have a problem with that, but I'm not gay. I'm not transgender. So I don't have to go out. Of, I'm black. So I have to walk out of my house every day wondering, am I going to get shot by a cop? Wondering if if somebody's gonna be scared of me because I'm wearing a hooded sweatshirt. Wondering if because I'm six foot one to three hundred pounds, am I gonna be scary to the white person or any person of who's not black who sees me walking down the street, right? So that's one thing I know. But I'm not gay. I'm not transgendered. So I don't know how they feel. I don't know how it feels to be not accepted just because of who I choose to like, just because of who I of being who I am. Right. And something Elliot Page was seemingly unanimously lauded for his strength. But so ultimately, we have to be aware of what we're saying. And when your rhetoric becomes dangerous, I don't think it's a problem for people to stand up and say, hold up, that ain't cool. And if that affects your business, you made the decision to say it in the first place. Shut your mouth. Now, now granted, the market has the right to determine what they're going to put up with and what they're not going to put up with. And I'm not disagreeing with anything that you all are saying, but this is what I'm saying. And this is, and, and you know, it's, I, I can't intelligently speak about the Letitia Wright situation because I'm not educated enough on it to have an opinion on that. So I can't really speak on that, but this is a much larger context or a lar much larger conversation that we're having at this point in time. And it's really, it, this is one of the problems that I have with the media is that the media frames the narrative. So that th this is the narrative they want to put out there. It doesn't matter whether it's factual. It doesn't matter whether it's true or not. This is the narrative. And then depending on what side of the aisle that you fall on and which channel you get your news from, that's going to inform your opinion on that situation. And I think sometimes it's the same thing with this. I don't, I don't know if context ever even existed, but context is literally everything. Because without context, you can make something, you can make anything sound like anything. Minus context and a lot of these not, and not all of them are overreactions and people do need to be held accountable for their words and words do have meaning and words are powerful I understand all of that but what tends to happen is somebody 
will pull a sound bite just out of nowhere. Just pull a sound bite without any context. You don't hear what they said prior to that. You don't hear what they said after that. You don't know in which the, the conversation was happening. You don't know the parameters under which the conversation was happening. They just pulled this sound bite out, and now all of a sudden that person is canceled, or that person loses their job, or this happens to them, or that, that happens to them. And that's the part that I'm saying is dangerous because again, context is king. And we, we, we just fly off the hinge and you get these angry mobs. Like I said, the Frankenstein mentality with their pitchforks and torches and everything like that. And they're just jumping on stuff when they really don't even know what's going on. It's just, OK, I don't like this person or this person says something I didn't like or I disagree with. Not knowing anything about anything about what was going on with that particular conversation. Don't know how it was said. Was it unjust? What, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and and we just jump on everybody about this, and you know it 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 just it just scares me because I'm not looking like right now. I'm looking like five years from now, or even two or three years from now. Where does this end? Once you open Pandora's box, what's the end game here? Well, Platt, unfortunately, there's no good answer to that question, and is a thing that we've been wrestle wrestling with as a people for centuries. Like, and, and I, and I really, and I'm not even trying to minimize this. Like, this is something that we constantly wrestle with as, and not just with communication, but just who we are as people, as a people, uh, historically, it's like every generation feels that things are getting worse than, than, than the generation before. And there's some truth to that. I, I really do. I, I think that we are in a different place, uh, as a nation and as a people, when, when it comes to this and, and I'm not, you know, going to pin the blame on it, on any one piece, but I do think that we have a level of accessibility to respond that is unlike anything that's ever been in history. And so that flying off the handle is, is much more prevalent. It's much more prominent. It's much more there. Uh, and you do see people that, you know, feel the need to, you know, either apologize or retract or walk away from statements that they've made, whether it's rightfully or wrongfully. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think the bandwagon nerds is going to solve this problem. I, I don't think that we're going to be able to answer this question. Unfortunately, poor Dave is shaking his head as a lawyer as you know, as you, you, um, we should just set you up with some libel lawsuits. Uh, if we can, if we can solve people. this problem, then we need to get paid. Handsomely Wait, for that Bible, Bible written word, right? Can, can I say one more thing, though, man, before we wrap this last, up? Man. Last thought before we wrap. Yeah, just um, I understand because things have been one way for so long, and now you have a lot of groups that have historically been marginalized getting an opportunity to have their voices heard and, and their opinions now matter. And, you know, there's some certain shit that they just, you know, they don't want to put up with. And I, I totally understand that. But it's been... For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And because it was this way for so long, now the pendulum has swung all the way to the other direction. And eventually we've got to try to find some sort of happy medium. And, and let me say this, man, because, you know, to, to people that are, are speaking up now, you hate what you become or you become what you hate. So these 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 people, these marginalized groups of people, which I'm a part of, you know, just being fair, just it is what it is, just keeping it a buck. But these marginalized groups of people that have been uh, discriminated against and that have been bullied, you know, for what probably feels like eternity, they're now flipping the switch 
and becoming the thing that they hated. So you just got to be very careful. That's all I'm saying. You got to be very careful. And eventually, I, I hope that we can land on some sort of happy medium. And I, I hope anything that I said makes sense. I, I, I tend to talk a lot, as y'all know, but I try to. I, I talk a lot because I want what? people to understand what the fuck I'm saying. <laughs> and I, you know what I mean. So that's that's why. But I, I hope anything I said made sense. And everybody's giving me the sarcastic shock face. So y'all can all kiss my ass. I'm going to piss. I'm about to play the Academy <laughs> Award. Oh, thank God. That's what's going to happen. You hear the orchestra in the background. <laughs> last last thing before we go to break, and this is just a quick once around, so uh, I'm not I'm not too we, – we talked a lot about Letitia Wright, which was why I didn't want to bring it up because now we're going to talk about Elliot Page's Half the Room Leaves. I, d- I did want to just reflect on what I think was a, was a pretty monumental announcement uh, to happen here, and Umbrella Academy's already announced that they uh, they will be addressing Elliot's coming out as part of the show in season three. So it's already affecting some level of change, even in the work that Elliot's doing. And so, for those of you who have been under a rock, uh, Elliot came out uh, this past week, basically just said that they are who they are like and that they finally felt that they were in a place where they could you know come out with courage and, and feel comfortable announcing that that they're they're Elliot Page and that they are trans and that they look forward to the future I think that one of the other things that you know kind of as we talked about the culture at large when you read his statement he said I also ask for patience my joy is real but it is also fragile the truth is, despite feeling profoundly happy right now and knowing how much privilege I carry, I am also scared. I am scared of invasiveness, the hate, the jokes, and of violence. And that, I think, is the ugly side of the coin that we were just talking about with, with Platt and, and these words. And, and most of the response from the like-minded community that we we've talked about has been one that's been overwhelmingly positive. I'm very happy for Elliot page. I'm very happy that he was able to make this decision that he had the courage to come out. Uh, I'm very happy that Netflix and the showrunners behind the umbrella Academy have already said that they're going to address this in the show and that Elliot's character will probably be coming out on the show as well and allowing Elliot's truth to be a part of the show. I think that is terrific. Uh, before we go to break, just real quick, just any sort of reactions you all had to the announcement and does, what does it mean? Does it mean anything? Um, and just, yeah, we'll, we'll use that to, to go before we head into our commercial. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I give props and I respect anybody that is, uh, has the courage to live their truth and be who they think they are. So congratulations to Elliot, seriously. Yeah, my thoughts are A, good for him. B, as far as Umbrella Academy, they already kind of set the platform for that anyway because we saw where where, you know, uh Vanya was going in season 2 as to, mm-hmm. you know, we already knew she was same-sex oriented. So it's really not that big of a stretch for them to go in that direction and and, and to be able to address that in a way that doesn't completely disrupt the storyline. And and fine, you know, great. That's good. Be be who you actually are. I mean, why hide it? I I applaud him for having the courage to do that to uh, make the announcement and to and to go in that direction. I, I had a funny bit that I was going to uh, 
do when we brought up the Elliot Page topic, but Amber uh, told me I can't do it. Hello. But Amber told me I can't do it. Speaking of cancel culture, she told me she said, uh, yeah, yeah, you thank you. Thank you. To Dave's point, um, why not is why this is such a big deal that he, that they came out with this. Because as I spoke to earlier, to us five sitting here, it's no big deal. It's just, hey, you're doing what you, you are, who you, you're, you're, you're acknowledging who you really are. But to millions of people in this country, that is ridiculous to them. That is stupid to them. That is unfathomable, but unfathomable to them. And to another group of millions of people of people in this country who feel the same way that Elliot does, who are living that same internal conflict that Elliot was and probably still is dealing with, so many of them are willing to kill themselves because they don't feel appreciated or feel like they can't be who they are or feel accepted. So when we see things like this, it's important for people like us to sit here on our platform, which no matter how small or big it is, to say congratulations and I am proud of you. This is a, this is an accomplishment. This is a big deal. This isn't something that should be swept under the rug. This is something that we should be acknowledging your strength to say you are who you are. And I don't give a damn if it affects my career or not. I'm going to be me. So Elliot, all love from all love from us. Absolutely. I mean, it should get to the point where an announcement like that's not a big deal. Like Ray, you bring should. up, it's a big deal. Hopefully, we get to the point as a society where an announcement is like, oh, we're like, oh, cool, you know, and that and that's, and you don't have to, you know, really go out of your way to acknowledge the uh, importance of somebody like that making that sh- that shift and becoming truthful. So, yeah, good for him. I'm looking forward to seeing what Umbrella Academy does with it. I mean, I was looking forward to season three anyway. We'll see. But to anybody under the, the sounds of our Stop, voices. Stop, Patrick. Man, I've been to... listening back to our Umbrella Academy episodes. You know, <laughs> what, Whatever your truth is, you, you got to live your truth. You, you have to live your truth. You can't keep that shit bottled up. You got to live your truth and consequences be damned. It just it is what it is. You, you, you only got one go around on this, Bell and Farmer. So why spend it being miserable because you don't feel as if you can be yourself? And I, I know it's hard, and I know it can be scary to take that step, but you're going you're gonna to land. You're going to have a safety net. You're going to have support. Whatever your truth is, you're going to find, a, you're gonna find your, your tribe, and they're going to support you. But you have to. You got to. You got to be who you are. You got to be who you are. It's kind of like admitting you're a Cleveland Browns fan. You got to be who you are, you know? <laughs> So um, out of the uh, five no, of us no. on this show, um, whose team has the best record? And we're going to put that to a pause. <laughs> this is not the three-man weave. This is the <laughs> You can catch the three-man weave usually on Mondays when the three men get together to actually do the show. That's we're going to take a quick commercial break, though. Before we do our regular commercials, this is my friendly reminder to all of you that you need to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and check out our Pro Wrestling Tees sh- uh, store shirts. God, Lee, I'm actually wearing one today. I'm sporting the hashtag save tag team wrestling shirt today. I was just feeling it with war games coming on tonight. Just, uh, just, it was in the mood, but we got all kinds of options for you over there. We have a bandwagon nerd shirt for our show here. Uh, for the Friday night um, set, we've got two 
different a winner is you shirts that are out there we've got some for basic the basic chair shout we've got jesus did the job we've got all kinds of great sayings we still have i'm assuming some leftover failed presidential campaign shirts for those of you that want to throw in for the re-election campaign plat balaz 2020 still available there remember shirts cost 19.99 if you're feeling fancy and want to take it up a notch, you can spend a few dollars more and get it soft style for, I think it's like 23, 24 bucks. That is the style of the Twitterless heroin Miranda, heroin Miranda Morales. When we come back, we are going to talk about the big news of the day. Warner brothers shaking up the movie industry with a tremendous announcement. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds, a part of the ChairShot Media Group on thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. India. Echo. Lima. Delta. Shield. Hey folks, listen up. PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code Chair shot to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Pins, stickers, illustrations. Angrylemonade.net. This is my yard now. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Hey man, 2024 20, right, right, right around the corner. I'm not saying, I'm, not I'm saying, just saying. I'm just saying. Don't rule it out. You want to y'all want to know what I was what I was doing in Kenya last week? Giving away all those damn shirts. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Fuck you. <laughs> hey, uh, Ray, were you were you passing out copies of the ET Atari game at the same time? No, I wasn't passing them out, but I was playing with them in every single building I went to. Nice. They all got one. You, you know what else you were passing out in Kenya, Ray? Those uh, uh two thousand those twenty twenty uh, Baltimore Ravens uh, AFC Central Division champion T shirts as well, right? You're right. Um, <laughs> no, no, he, no, no. He's right because you know everybody got one from the Browns for the past twenty-two years. <laughs> so, thank you for Christopher Platt for uh, stepping on my return from the commercial break. Uh, You're welcome. Showing sir. once again that when I am on this show, I don't control this show. Anyway, so Warner Brothers dropped a huge bomb today. Or not today, this week in the news by announcing that what they started with Wonder Woman 1984, they're going to continue for the entire 2021 year. And that is every release that they have planned to go into theaters for 2021 will simultaneously release on HBO Max. Now, Before we go into this, I've got a whole slew of just articles and and information that I want to get through before we kind of react, okay? Uh, The first thing I want to do is just point out that there's some catches with this. 
And this is and this is what I thought was really interesting, and, and I hope will inform some of the discussion. So, one the, the 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 catches that I've seen so far is that these film releases will only be released on HBO Max for a month. So, Wonder Woman 1984 will only be on HBO Max for one month before it then goes off, but may still be in movie theaters as part of a theatrical release. The other big one that came out and was a news bit that came out. I, I can't remember. If it was a couple, it was a couple of days ago, and I couldn't find the article. I was trying to dig it up. HBO Max is doing away with the free trial subscription. So what used to be was that you could subscribe, and this is true for a lot of streaming services, where they're like, try it seven days for free, and then decide. If you try HBO Max, even for seven days, it's fourteen ninety nine. Period. End of discussion. So, and this is clearly not a coincidence that they're making this announcement right after Warner brothers announces this thing, because what they're clearly looking to avoid is somebody signing up for HBO max solely for the, for the movie for free and then canceling the subscription. So they are looking for a way to get you. Now, the other thing that has come out is that a couple of the major theater chains have responded already. And I wanted to read them out. AMC gave the, gave the heart, gave the stronger response And here's what it was. I'm going to read it verbatim uh, from their press release. These coronavirus impacted times are uncharted waters for all of us, which is why AMC signed on to an HBO Max exception to customary practices for one film only, Wonder Woman 1984, being released by Warner Brothers at Christmas when the pandemic appears that it will be at its height. However, Warner now hopes to do this for all of their 2021 theatrical movies, despite the likelihood that with vaccines right around the corner, the theater business is expected to recover. Clearly, Warner Media intends to sacrifice a considerable portion of the profitability of its movie studio division and that of its production partners and filmmakers to subsidize its HBO Max startup. As for AMC... We will do all in our power to ensure that Warner does not do so at our expense. We will aggressively pursue economic terms that preserve our business. Cinemark, which is the second of the other major theater chains, they had a slightly different tone, and I'm pulling it up right now to see if I I make sure that I can get this one. Where is it? Give me one. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. You heard me. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com. Basically, I'm not finding the statement itself, but Cinemark is the first major exhibitor to weigh in regarding Warner's decision to put his theatrical slate at stateside theaters with HBO Max simultaneously. Uh, Essentially, they're the number third uh, exhibitor, and they said via a company rep, in light of the current operating environment, we are making near-term booking decisions on a film-by-film basis. At this time, Warner Brothers has not provided any details for the hybrid distribution model of their 2021 films. So a much more neutral stance to this whole thing. Now, the movies that 
for us kind of in the bandwagon nerds realm that, that I just kind of pulled out that it's going to significantly impact that popped into my sort of uh, list, knowing that this isn't, ex- isn't the exhaustive list movies that I see this impacting the suicide squad uh, is, is a Warner brothers film. The matrix four is slated to come out this year. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. We talked about him earlier. Sherlock Holmes three is slated to come out this year, which I didn't even know they were making. The LeBron James-led Space Jam vehicle is a Warner Brothers flick that that is slated to come out this year. And then one that I was particularly excited about, so much so that I made Ray and Dave watch the trailer, uh, the Dune movie is being released uh, from Warner Brothers this year. And that, I mean, that movie looked, I was so excited when I saw that trailer. It was so dope. There's, There's a ton of movies, obviously, that any movie production studio uh, has come out. And for those of you who listen to the show regularly, you know the Bandwagon Nerds has its own sort of uh, chat that we keep internally with the regulars that uh, appear on the show. And when this news dropped, we had a bit of a spirited discussion on Friday night about what this all means. And... This is this is where I this is why I specifically reached out to Platt today uh, to have him come on the show because I, I think that there he, he had some pretty strong thoughts. Uh, I think Ray and Dave and I had slightly different thoughts, and nothing makes for good radio than to have some some contrasting views and looks on where this is going to go. And so I am going to cede the floor. In as organized a fashion as I can. And so I'm going to start by letting Platt unmute himself and react to this news. The floor is yours, sir. So first and foremost, yeah, you you went a little insider baseball there and said that we did have this discussion Friday night. Um, Number one, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on because I really enjoyed that conversation. And I'm glad that we get to continue it now here on air. Um. First off, God willing, prayerfully, 2027, when everything gets back to normal, whatever normal is going to be, once we get back to normal, come 2027, we can get back to normal. And this entire point is moot. And, you know, something else that I've been saying to anybody that would listen to me, that, you know, once, once this... Once this virus hit, man, I knew that there were going to be certain industries that weren't going to make it. And it's not that Corona has killed any industries. It's merely accelerated the process. And one of the industries that was on life support pre-corona was the theater industry for you know a myriad of reasons. We could get into that if y'all want to. I don't think it's really pertinent to the conversation that we're having here. But they were the, the theater industry was already on life support. And with this announcement, and I'm, I'm talking from the perspective of the artist and the content creators, which we all are, because the studios, the corporations, they're going to be just fine. They always find a way to make their money. They're going to be just fine. But what does this mean for the content creators? And I'm going to use the word quantify quite a bit in, in this particular discussion. So raise your glasses. Whatever Platt says, quantify, take a drink, whatever the fuck. It doesn't matter. But, you know, for example, there's these these stars and I mean, I, I, I don't want to take up all the time, man, because we're going to be going back and forth here, man. It's going to get a little contentious, I'm sure. Oh, this is, get, this is just opening arguments. Yeah, opening, opening arguments. Okay. So there's these certain 
artists or certain actors that make you know twenty million a picture. Okay, well, how can you justify? Well, they make twenty million a picture first off because you know that people are going to come out to see them, and you're going to make three hundred and fifty million by giving them twenty million because they're box office. So how do you quantify an actor's or an actress's worth at the box office if there's no box office? And this streaming thing, it's still in many ways, it's still in its embryonic stages. This shit is still the wild, wild west. Nobody has ever, nobody has yet to really quantify somebody's impact. Yeah, a Dave Chappelle is going to have an impact. A Chris Rock is going to have an impact. But what about whomever? You know what I mean? Whoever you could throw out there that's not like the tippy top. Who, you know, how do you quantify the impact that they're going to have? on these streaming services. And I mean, the motion picture industry has already been downsizing. I mean, we, you remember how you used to have those indie house art house films that cost 50 bucks to make. And then they win all the awards at Sundance. And then they end up getting a distribution deal with the, the, to be in the theaters. That shit doesn't exist anymore. Rom-coms don't exist anymore. When's the last time y'all saw a romantic comedy in the theaters that actually made an impact. All they're making now is they're trudging out these big, budget production films that have sequel capabilities. So the the motion piston industry has already been going through some changes as is. And now with this, I, I feel like I've seen this movie before. It's very reminiscent to what happened 20 years ago with Napster and how Napster totally turned the music industry on its head to the point now that all the artists are forced to sign these 360 deals. And for those that don't know, a 360 deal just basically means anything that you do outside of the actual recording of music and touring, be it if you book a TV show or a movie or a clothing line or whatever, the company, your record company gets a cut of that money because they're trying to make a return on their investment. They're trying to recoup the money that they paid to bring you on and invest in you. I just don't know what this means for the motion picture industry. I don't know what this means specifically for theaters. And ultimately, when there are changes, because there's clearly a change happening, and ultimately when those changes happen, it's typically the artist or the content creators that end up getting screwed. I hope that made sense. I don't know if it did. Opening statement from Ray Cash. Well, actually, I'd like to see my time to Dave because I don't want it to just be me and Platt going back and forth. I'm, I'm... No, everybody's getting a turn. Everybody's okay. getting a turn. Because okay. I, I, I do. I but um, go. I guess I mean. I mean, if you don't want, if you want to cede your time, I actually saw Tony with some facial reactions too. So Tony, I don't know if you want to get in on this uh, a little bit as well. Um, before I, I don't see wanna, I don't want to end the whole conversation right away by giving my thoughts that are completely and 100% right. So why don't you guys go ahead? (laughs) (laughs) So I I think one of the things that I I do want to point out is that the the economic structure of how films are made and work is very different than the music industry. And that the studios already hold all the power and the studios are the ones that are making the decision. An actor is signed on and then you know, is, is negotiated on a contract with the Screen Actors Guild. And they, within the contract negotiations, box office returns is probably go, is part of that. Uh, depending on who you are, maybe it's a producer credit. Because that's the other thing is the type of credits you get make a difference. Just like in the music industry, if you're if you're a record producer, and, like if you own your own label, like you, you are the content creator. Uh, and for the film industry the power and the money has always lied within the studios. It's never really lied within the actors. Very few of them are true power brokers. And so I think that this is probably the, uh, the another inevitable step 
to the end of the traditional movie theater because, you know, in a month after a movie's been out for a month, that um, that that film is already kind of seeded its theater time. So I, I think that the streaming service is like I think the streaming service is where we are. Go ahead, Tony. Okay, I agree with Platt that the the movie theater business has been dying a slow death for a while now. Oh, absolutely, and that's a given, right? And you can directly equate that to the ability for people to sit in their own home and create near damn near the same sound effect and visual effect, right? You can you can literally make your own theater right down from the seat to the popcorn to the to the viewing ability and, and the the sound that surrounds you while watching it, right? So that has a direct I, I, negative. But to think that these streaming services, they can't tell who brings in the money. They can't tell when they get a bump in subscriptions when these movies come out. They can't tell how many people actually watch through the entire movie or anything on their network. That's ridiculous. So there are plenty of ways to come up with statistics to prove any and everything, especially how much of an effect an actor or a director or a series has on people watching and signing up for streaming services. That's where I disagree with you, Christopher Platt. But if they could tell, man, we wouldn't have these disparities. That you, you know, you wouldn't have Dave Chappelle making sixty million and they're offering Monique five hundred thousand. They don't have this figured out. If they had this figured out, man, we wouldn't even have, be having this conversation. The theater business would have already died if they had this figured out already. That's so. Understand what that has anything to do with what we're arguing about. Let me speak to that if you don't mind. They can definitely have the statistics that prove who brings in subscriptions and how many times people are watched. So what you're saying is not even effective to this conversation. So you think they figured this streaming shit out and they've got it down to? I'm telling you, they don't have an exact. No, I didn't say that. That's all I'm saying. That's literally all I'm saying. But if you don't think they can tell those two specific numbers, then we're not having the same conversation on the same planet. All I'm saying is that is all I was saying. They don't have this thing down to an exact science, and it is still in a lot of ways the wild, wild west. Everybody's still trying to figure out this new normal. That's all I was saying in regards to the streaming. So, yeah, you you don't they don't know exactly how to quantify and justify. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just going to stop. Please, Ray. I'm I'm just I'm, I'm muting myself. I'm being muted. Saying Fight something out. is self. Saying You're something is out. You tapped out. Go ahead, Ray. He tapped out. Saying something saying is something an exact is science is not the same as saying people don't have something figured out. Nothing is an exact science in entertainment because there's always unquantifiable numbers. Some people just draw for whatever the reason is. But but. To your point, when you spoke about the Chappelle and Monique, that is a that's simply what you can negotiate. But there are just because we don't see the numbers from Netflix or we don't see the numbers from Disney Plus, or we don't see the numbers from any other streaming services like we do with Billboard, and we see that our artists sold this many units or this many singles or this many records, doesn't mean that the numbers aren't there. They're just not privy to us, the public. They know what's making money. Netflix always releases saying, "Oh well." Umbrella Academy had, had the biggest release we've had all year from in the first in first week views. They know what's making money. They know what's happening. Outside of the day, something major drops on Netflix. We'll use them specifically, okay? Mm-hmm. Outside of the day, a major production that they had lined up and have put uh, product, uh, marketing into 
when it drops that day, outside of those specific days, do you think when you turn on Netflix on whatever device you do, that you have the same advertisement for something that's been popular on their streaming services that I do? Because there's no way in fucking hell we do. It's all specific. They know their demographics. They know what's going on. I mean, way more so than we could even even continue to imagine. It's the same thing that Twitter and Facebook and everybody else has done. Nobody's so- signing up for Netflix that doesn't already have Netflix. And in any business, you yes, sure you that? want the comeback, but you also try to generate new revenue streams, i.e. new business. Nobody would, is just signing up for Netflix because such on there. I need to sign up. That's not happening with them. There are thousands of people signing up and 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 getting rid of their streaming services from Netflix every single week. And, and now, I would guarantee and you that the number of people signing up brand new is bigger than the number of people leaving. That's not true. And there's also other streaming services popping up here as well. It's the same reason why they put a McDonald's and a Burger King across the street from each other. So you got all these other streams popping up here and there, left and right. And and on Friday, I feel like I brought up the uh, the Quibi. Now, I, and I said to be fair, Quibi had a flawed business model, but they had over a bi- they had raised over a billion dollars worth of capital. They had big box office names to come on there and create content for their channel, and they went by the waysides. These people don't have this figured out. Do they have it figured out better than the five of us? Yes, but everybody's still trying to figure this out. This is how you're ignoring you the fact that Quibi's product sucked. How can you compare Quibi to what we're talking about? Netflix has a fucking Netflix put Blockbuster out of fucking business. Disney is Disney. HBO is HBO. The WWE is WWE. Amazon's a motherfucking giant. And besides that, Hulu's lagging tit because they don't have the fucking cling that the rest of those fucking people that I just mentioned had. That's and why Quibi's gone. It's not because Max they couldn't figure out the numbers. That the same dynamic out. that every other streaming just, service just knows like that we are. They with just don't have size. the pull. That the like people that are major players in this fucking like Twitter's on its way out doing just and that's like Snapchat is the rap. Your Honor, I rest my case. Do I, wow. Okay. Do I even do I even bother <laughs> well, to to make any comment here? Dave, make it make a quick comment, and then um, I do want to jump back in. So no, no, you actually haven't spoken yet. You make you take as much time as you need. Uh, my thoughts are there's aspects of what Chris. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Cut me off. Uh, no, I mean, I think comparing what's going on with the streaming to the music industry is a bit of an apples to oranges sort of comparison, because with the music industry, what changed the dynamic there was they took a, a, a work of art, like an album, and then they dissected it into various tracks. And that's where the music industry shifted. And, and Tool's a good example of that. For how many years did Tool not put their stuff on streaming? Because they didn't want to destroy their artistic integrity and say, well, you got to listen to the whole album. We're trying to do a whole album here. And then at some point when the you know fans everywhere who wanted to listen to the music, who don't even know what a CD is anymore, said, hey, I want to listen to your stuff on something other than a YouTube stream. And Tool's like, okay. And then they also made a business decision that 10% of 1 million is still better than 100% of nada. And that's why they said, let's put this stuff out on streaming. Now... With, you know, on iTunes or whatever the hell you want to do it. Um, The film industry is a little bit different. You can't really take a movie and dissect it up like that. I agree that they don't have this whole thing figured out, that the model is still evolving. I really think that Wonder Woman 1984 is the tipping point where they're going to look at what happens with this movie 
does it like you like Ray and everybody saying we don't know how people are going to react. You know, is Wonder Woman the type of thing that's going to drive subscriptions to HBO Max? Because if they have a 100 percent increase in subscriptions or 200 percent really optimistically, that changes the dynamic of everything. And, and then and Patrick has his real hand up this oh. time. Right, right. Well, because I noticed that the Skype hand doesn't work, so I thought I'd use my real hand. No, go ahead and finish your thought, and then I'll jump in, because I wanted to pipe in my... Yeah, just just that I think, I really think that whatever happens on December 25th, or leading into that, uh, is going to go a long way towards where the industry shifts to, as to how people are going to react, how other people react. The one thing I will say about AMC's reaction is that is really wishful thinking to say that there's a vaccine oh, on the horizon and everything's going to be back to normal in 2021 bullshit. You know, maybe 2022, if you're lucky, I don't think it'll be 2027 all bullshitting aside, but you know, <laughs> I, I think that's hey, their, their thought hey, about it. AMC, what is AMC supposed to say? Like, like, honestly, if you're, if you're a company, if you're AMC, like, this is this, like, this is what get, makes your company go. And wonder woman is a tent pole movie. Like everybody knows this wonder woman, 1984 is a temple movie. And Dave, you said, we'll see what happens. I think we've already seen what happens because you look at what Disney plus did with Mulan and Mulan wasn't even that well received. And it was still enough of a profit turned for the company at 30 bucks a pop for people. Like people were willing to pay the $30 to see it. Now this is different in the sense that HBO Max is just going to have it for a month. So I don't already I already don't have to pay for it. What they have done that's prudent is the 14.99 thing. So that's like you're buying a half price movie ticket to see this thing. But there's there there there's no way that that there's not some sort of contract or negotiation that was made between Warner Brothers and HBO Max based on the subscription numbers, based on whatever it is that they're bringing in to where Warner Brothers isn't making a cut. And this is only for the United States. That's the other thing to remember. If I live in Japan and I have HBO Max, I still got to go to the theaters to see Wonder Woman 1984. So the other part of this and the other market that we have forgotten about is the largest moving movie going market in America in the world. And that's China. And that's other the international market. And if you can still make money internationally on ticket sale, then the United States becomes a semi-important drop in the bucket versus what you can do over there. And I, I think, though, just y'all, All right. y'all are missing the point that I made to initiate this whole argument. I'm not worried about the studios. I'm not worried about the corporations. I'm not worried about the gatekeepers. They're always going to find a way to make their money. I'm not worried about them. I am coming from the perspective of the artist and the content creators. And there is clearly a shift going on in this industry right now. And whenever those shifts occur until the curb catches up, it is always the content creators and the artists that get screwed. That's who I'm worried about. I'm not worried that, about the corporations. Gonna, but, but, but that's going to continue no matter what kind of media stream you're using, whether it's streaming or going to the movie theater. I think you're talking about movies not being in theaters anymore and the death of movie theaters. Maybe we're having the wrong conversation. What have the movie theater businesses done to reinvent themselves and to continue with the times? 
You need to continue to change. Every single business that has succeeded over time has changed with time. The only thing movie theaters have done is put in seats that recline and let you eat while you watch the movie. How is that any different than what you can do at home considering advancements in home technology? So I, I want to speak just real quick, and then I'm going to mute my mic here because I'm you know, i monopolizing the time. But I want to speak to something that Dave said. He said that the comparing the music industry to the film industry is apples and oranges. I don't really think so because prior to Napster and prior to the streaming thing popping off, how did people make money? They sold records and they went touring. Okay, you sell a million records, you make some money off of that. Now, with the streaming platforms, yes, the yes, finally the record companies have caught up and they've they've kind of gotten in bed with the streaming services. But even from that medium, as an artist, you got to stream somebody got to stream your shit like a gazillion, fajillion, popillion times for you to even make a dollar off that motherfucker. So again, it's 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 fucking with the content creators, the people that are actually out here putting out the art. It, it as the pie gets exponentially smaller, it's always the content creators that suffer when that happens. And it's the same thing in the music industry, you or the film industry. Okay, Eddie Murphy, regardless of how shitty his movies have been the last twenty years, he still gets twenty million dollars a picture because you know he's going to be box office and he's going to bring in three hundred and fifty million just off the strength that you got Eddie Murphy on the marquee. So how does that work in the streaming era if, if the film industry or in the if the the theater industry truly is going to die out? What does that mean for the content creators? How are the content creators going to get compensated? And the, again, the, the pie just seems getting seemed to be getting smaller and smaller. That's all I'm saying. Um, get in there. It's too bad nobody that made content for Netflix is getting paid. Go ahead, Ray. Sorry about that. Three, that's okay. Three quick points. Three quick points. Number one, do you really think that the people that the artists now, aside from like the greatest of all time, like Prince and Michael Jackson, whatnot, do you really think the uh, average artist now is making less than the average artist twenty years ago? Yes. When you it's can, factual. When, no, that's infactual. There is proof. Whoa, 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 whoa. There is proof. There is quantifiable proof like, that that's wrong. Skirt off muted. Everybody. We see that nobody's making any money right now. COVID has pulled the skirt off of everything. Nobody's making any money. Ignore, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ignore COVID. I'm talking about in general. In general, do you think that in the era of streaming, the average artist is making less than they were making in the era of CDs? Yes. That's infactual. There is proof. There is quantifiable okay, so proof to prove that's wrong. There's a thing called inflation. Everything is getting more expensive. Plus, there's less opportunities for you to make money. Plus, you have more hands in your pie than you did back then. There's more hands in your pie. If you went out back, if Frank Sinatra went out and booked the fucking movie, fucking Warner Brothers, or whoever the fuck his record company was, wasn't getting a cut of that back then. They are now. All right, man. Go ahead. I'm good. They are now. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm going to start with the Napster thing. First of all, the reason Napster caused such a problem was because they were taking copyrighted material and making it available to everybody and nobody was making any money off of it. That is what was that was literally stealing from the artists. And as someone who participated in Napster and totally ripped a ton of stuff and pissed off Metallica, while I hated Metallica for doing it, I get why they did it. And they had the clout and the power to do it. So that that to me like i don't worry about the artists in the sense of um actors 
particularly any actor that's a part of the Screen Actors Guild. Because when it comes to this, the content creators are the studios. And you brought up Sinatra. Like when Sinatra made a movie for a studio, he had a contract with a studio. Like he was a contracted worker for a studio. Bing Crosby, same sort of deal. Now you had producers and directors and screenwriters and all that stuff that were along and that were part of it as well. But at the end of the day, there is a different power structure that exists within film for actors, at least at the very least. And I and I get it. Independent film has always been on the outside looking in. Like Kevin Smith, for example, uh, like his first film, like he made it on his own outside of New Jersey at a at a broken down mini mart. Like he put out Clerks and, and eventually got picked up and then created View Askew, you know, View Askew Productions, who then got picked up by Miramax and then he became a big part of Miramax, you know, until what's his name was found out to be a creep. So. There is a slight difference in my in my view with the especially actors. Now, screenwriters, writers have been getting screwed since before this. Like that's just that's been a part of it forever. Like screenwriters have have been like like they're they're beholden to the companies that buy their scripts and they have to put stuff out to be to be purchased and then once like say you know, Paramount buys Christopher Platt's script. Like if they don't like it and want to punch it up, they're going to punch it up. So, so that is a very real thing. And, and independent film has always been the, the poor, ugly stepchild uh, of the major studios. And that's just, that's just, it's like indie labels and music, but there's, there's bigger protect protections out there for actors. And I, and I think that we talked about this a little bit, um, we were talking oddly enough about wrestlers and unionizing about the power and the, the strength of the arm of the screen actors guild and what it actually does to negotiate for actors. And so when you get cast for whatever, even if you're not say Harrison Ford, you, you have a, you have a minimum expectation because of the screen actors guild. If you're a card carrying member that you're going to make and Hollywood is one of the most like filmmaking is one of the most unionized environments there are out there. Everything from the grips down to the catering has, has standards and expectations. And part of that is also, and, and Dave, maybe you can speak to this a little bit, you know, California law as well. So I think that there's a level of protection that exists in the film industry that didn't exist for the music industry that makes it a little different. I do think that you're right a little bit of that pie has gotten uh, that pie has gotten smaller, but it's been getting smaller even before this happened. And maybe this just exacerbates it a little bit, but I just, I don't see it quite as bad for the artist as I did, as I do see the change for, for music and what happened with like, what was it? It was, you know, Napster and Kazaa and some of these other groups. Uh, I just, I, I, I do see it a little bit differently. I'm, I'm not thinking Again, I'm not thinking right now. I'm looking five sure. years from now. What is this landscape going to look like? And I mean, think about it like this. When reality TV first started popping off. No, we don't have to pay Ted Danson a million dollars an episode to come in and put on a show. We'll get these six nobodies that nobody's ever heard of. We'll pay them right. 10000 an episode because, you know, they'll just be happy to get some money and we'll make stars out of them. And the people who watch them, it's just like they been. were stars. 
you know, just like when the rappers started coming in and taking all the movie roles and Sam Jack came up and spoke up and said, hey, man, what the fuck? Why are these rappers taking all these roles? It's the same thing. Again, I'm not thinking right now. I'm thinking five years from now, what is this landscape going to look like? And, and, and plus, I appreciate lest we that. Forget, lest we forget, because, it, okay, streaming. So we got to get the most people streaming as possible. It, the, and the art is going to start to get more and more sanitized because we have to appeal to a broader and broader base. So I can't do what I want to do because I, I'm, I'm, I, I have to succumb to the gatekeepers because I got to get my art out somehow. It's going to be I, so much easier. It's going to be so much easier for people that are individualists as artists <clears throat> that have a niche to get to people because it's going to be worldwide. It's going to be everywhere. It's not just going to be at a movie theater. It's not just going to be where you can go to do something. Wherever you have the internet, you can get at whoever you like. It's more global than ever. And I appreciate you being a guy that's trying to be forward thinking. But you are, you slippery slope so much and you are so concerned about what could be, you ignore what is. And what is, the fact is that for 20 plus years now, Netflix has been a multi-billion dollar conglomerate that's made money for everybody. There, in, 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 in this generation, you talk about content creators. Issa Rae is a perfect example. Issa Rae has never had a, tele, a show on television before Insecure. She had a show on YouTube. They didn't even get millions of views. Just got good reactions. And she signed a multi... Uh, not only did she sign a multi-show deal, but she's got all these other deals. She's worked with all these other um, entities and studios off of the back of a YouTube show. Shonda Rhimes did Grey's Anatomy, which gave her Scandal, then which gave her how to get away with murder. Now she's got like a five movie show deal with Netflix worth almost a hundred million dollars. The money is there and there's more money now than there ever was. So if there was money in, in 1990 and these people were getting paid and there's almost four or five times that amount now with more revenues to get paid and more outlets for people to work, you're worried that it's going to go away. It just doesn't make any sense. I'm worried that the pies get spoiled. Number one, and Ray, you weren't there, but two years ago, in our chair shot DM, I told each and every one of you that we were heading towards a recession. Y'all told me I was crazy as cat shit. Granted, I didn't know it was going to be a global pandemic, but I knew there was going to be some sort of catastrophic event that was going to severely disrupt our way of life. Was I right or was I right? You're wrong. How was I wrong, motherfucker? Y'all all said I was crazy. You don't fuck. How am I wrong? How am I wrong? You can't count the pandemic. Every other month, the sky is falling, Chicken Little. Every other month, the sky is falling. Okay. Y'all gonna sit here and act like y'all didn't call me crazy, and now we here. That's all I'm saying. No, I'm okay. I love you guys for this conversation. I really do. Okay. Now you two can fight it out later. Like we're gonna tomorrow, and we'll be okay. I I think the Oh, I love Ipichi and every one of y'all, man. This ain't none of this is personal. It's so, just spirited so, conversation. To answer your question as to who's gonna who's gonna bear the burden of this, it's gonna be the consumer, because what I do see happening, and it's already happening. Like I got an I got an announcement when I logged into Netflix was it yesterday that my streaming service cost was going up to like thirteen ninety nine. That at the end of the day. Where's the money going to come from? It's going to come from the consumer. And so long as the consumer is willing to pay for it, 
in the, in this in the ter- in terms of entertainment and covering the costs of of putting a, a film on their streaming service that people can watch, it's gonna it's gonna come through us. So, where, uh, but where's that money gonna come from, Pat? As industry and industry continues to fold, people are, are, are struggling and, and people are, are praying for this from, extra twelve hundred dollar stimulus check to come in. Where's that gonna come from? Eventually, Chris. people are just gonna say fuck Chris. it if they keep going up on the price. Chris. Eventually, people are gonna say fuck it. Chris, 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 you gotta let Patrick finish the show. Okay, I do. I do have to finish the show. Um, no, I appreciate you and your rage. Can I say something? Uh, no, I'm just kidding, think, Patrick. Go ahead. Oh, no, Dave, Dave, it's okay. No, and and I think that honestly, at the end of the day, you're probably right, Platt. That five five years from now, we'll know what the new normal is. And that'll be the new normal. And and that's the other side of it is like you ask what consumers are willing to pay for. Right now, I'm seeing consumers just around this panel here that are willingly paying for Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, Netflix. Basically, what we talk about the death of cable, we basically turned entertainment into these streaming services. And so I don't think I think some of them will go the way of Quibi. Like I think that that's that's really real, but I think that you see you've seen the established you've seen the CBS, NBC, and ABC of streaming services are here. It's Netflix, it's Disney Plus, it's Hulu, um, slash because Hulu what Hulu's really clever with by the way is they just kind of latch on to other people um, and other and other streaming services. So like they latch on to the Disney Plus, ESPN thing. Uh, there's another there's a rumor I think I shared it where Hulu might just get absorbed by Disney Plus. Which would be interesting. I do. I do have some legitimate concern that at the end of the day, we're going to have you know three or four streaming services that are it. But I also don't see it as any different than when you had something like Paramount, Warner Brothers, Universal. It's just now instead of the faces being Paramount, Warner Brothers, and Universal, it's going to be Netflix. It's going to be Disney Plus. And it's going to be HBO Max and then probably Amazon Prime because Amazon has its own money stream outside of its streaming service. Like, like they, they still sell other shit. Uh, and so that becomes the new normal. And the money is going to shake out. Uh, I, I don't worry about independent film because if there's something that I've learned about independent film is that it finds a way. Uh, and it does oftentimes become... Oh God, I'm gonna mess up the line. It's it's the um it's the line from the Dark Knight, Dave, that you say all the time. Like the live long enough to be the problem or, or something. Live like long that. enough to see yourself be or you die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. We've seen that time and time again happen with independent artists. I use Kevin Smith as an example. Kevin Smith is now kind of a company guy. Uh he was a he was a indie darling and then until he was not sam raimi was an indie darling until he was not we're still going to have those people come up they're still going to be there's still going to be that content produced and people will still find like people weren't jumping to see independent flicks before streaming hit and and i just i think it'll shake out i'm less worried about artists in that regard than i am in the music industry because i do think that they are slightly different animals for the reasons that i laid out there and, and unfortunately, like like the uh, like the quote unquote cancel culture problem, we're just not going to fix it. Uh, and I think that 
Well, well, you're right. In five years, we could be looking at a, at a very different world. Um, but I also think that some of that world hasn't been all that different. It's just we're looking at it differently because we have a different consciousness. The star, a starving writer has always been a starving writer. Um, it's always been about production companies. It's always been about power players in Hollywood. The power players are just shifting. And that's that's where I think the change is. And so thank you, everybody, for for your your contributions, your spirit. Love the spirit. That's that's what I'm gonna call it. You know, Dave's blind rage. You could just see he was seething with anger over there with his muted microphone and refusal to talk. Yeah, I, okay, I got see, nothing for you guys, man. <laughs> Um, like, is, I get of this I, shit at work. Yeah, <laughs> right. I deal with this five days a week time, anyway. It is time for Patrick or dad has a question. Uh, last week I asked you all about holiday. Uh, we, we talked about, um, the holiday season and things coming up. I had this weird thought as I was listening to, I, I love holiday music. I'm a, I'm a Christmas celebrator. I love holiday specials and holiday music. And I had this weird thing that happened as I was listening to some of my music and, and I do want to get a quick once around. Um, am I weird for thinking it's weird that like white women love to sing the Harry Belafonte classic Mary's boy child. And that that just shouldn't happen in his odd. Like why is Charlotte church have a recording of Mary's boy child? And, and is that normal? Well, I hate to break this to you, Patrick, but white women love black men. No, I get that. Wow, we just really went into a deep, deep area. Charlotte Church, the record which she recorded this track, was a child. So let's think about that for a minute. What types of evidence do you have to back that up, Christopher Platt? <laughs> a whole channel on Pornhub, Tony. Yeah, as you, you. I love how you took my question of cultural appropriation and turned it into a weird sex thing, but that's okay. But it's like, yeah, I've been fucking to white women before I got with Amber. I was about to say, so you want me to lose my relationship, Tony. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> hey, Chris, Amber's kind of white. I'm just saying, man, you know? Well, she's not kind of white. I've been Man, this sh- this is the last. Okay, thank you everyone for listening to Bandwagon Herds, as this is probably the final show that we are ever going to have. We opened with me being the oppressor. You should hear oh, some of the titles God. from Pod is War, like Yellow We got Mandingo jokes going on here. We got fucking, we got, we got fucking Patrick O'Dowd's oppressor. <laughs> Ray Cash is holding the record. The Reverend is blushing. I was just saying, I got a problem with like this. We like it just is weird to hear. Like, why do why why do we like stealing your music, guys? Because what's oh, that? Because you can't come up with your own. The last good music y'all made was uh, like uh, Mozart and and Bach. <laughs> Bach. Wait a second, man! Out. I grew up in the '80s, so not, you need no, to retract 90s. that statement. Early '90s, oh. Kurt Cobain. Thank uh, you. Yeah, which I chose, which started by black people. I'm talking about the the last good music yeah, y'all came but, up with, y'all. Okay. Listen, black people weren't doing the Kurt Cobain kind of rock and roll, okay? Let's just let's just be honest with each other. Okay, that's oh. fair, but what the foundation was. I will well, say. Okay, well then, you know what? Every time I've ever made somebody laugh, uh, thank you, Steve Allen. Anybody that's ever made anybody laugh, let's pay oh. Steve Allen then. Let's just pay Steve Allen. Here you go, Steve Allen, Jerry Seinfeld, everybody else. 
Oh, you don't even want to start been... counting receipts, man. Y'all will come up short on that. Uh, I care damn to you. All right. <laughs> Ray, Ray, you seem to have some sort of calming thought to my really stupid question, apparently. Uh, what were you going to say before I, I, I was took gonna... a so I used to work. I used to work at at a, at a, a department store, um, a sporting goods store, and the day that like I lost all of, when I realized that like white people steal everything musically, I heard Norris Barkley crazy in like a light country version, and my heart died. No shit. <laughs> and that's when I knew like okay, something there's a problem here. Like I wrecked my heart. Stop. It was and it was just ha, ha, ha. it was bad. <laughs> and I was just like, oh God, stop. Ray, Ray it's country. You know it's gonna be bad. So I am from Texas, so you know I got I have to I'm contractually obligated to say it's all not bad. Not all bad. It's not all, all right. bad. So here's my question to you all with the holiday season. I've asked about holiday traditions. I brought up music. I love holiday music. I think I have my favorites. What's one tune that you do like to listen to during the holidays? Donnie Hathaway, This Christmas. This Christmas? All right. Yes. Great Good tune. Okay, Ray, I'll go. Um, um, That's the one right there. That's the one. Not that version. Silent Night's good too. If you get somebody that can sing, that sings it, that's always a good one. The the right, the, the trilogy for me is Oh Holy Night, uh, Nat King Cole. Um, it's um, um, Silent Night, The Temptations, and Let It Snow, Boys to Men. Nice. Those three can't go wrong. Nice. I love Jingle Bell Rock. That that's that's the one that really sticks out to me. Silent Light Night's good too. You know that sort of thing. White Christmas. All right. All that stuff. I just don't like that they start playing it like on October or November 1st in every grocery store that you're at. That's where it gets a little over the top. Are we all in agreement, though, that we didn't mind when you finally went somewhere this year or whatever, or you got in your car and you turned on the radio that you heard Christmas music? You're like, okay, you know what? Every other year, like, yes, please. Can you fucking wait until the weekend after Thanksgiving? But this year, it's like, ah, okay. Cool, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this is the time we can all just kind of, you know, figure shit out and and everybody just, I don't even know because you want to get together, but you shouldn't, right? Probably, it's tough, but. probably right up until the time that first movie dropped on the Hallmark Channel, and then I was like, ah, fuck, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a Christmas Story the other day. Pop, there you which go. Was filmed in Cleveland. I that house watched, is still watched, in Cleveland. I watched Christmas it's... Story during the marathon. Yes. Oh, like. On- like at least four or Christmas five Day, times they played on loop. Yeah, when they played on loop, like that's my thing. So for me, uh, I've got a I've got a couple of favorites. So my all time favorite Carol is Little Drummer Boy, and there's a couple of different versions that I really like of Little Drummer Boy. Josh Groban does a really good version, and a group that I just learned about a uh, country esque group called uh, For King and Country put out a, a version that I really enjoy. Um, but my other kind of fate not kind of another favorite of mine is luther vandross's version of oh come all ye faithful is very very good very beautiful uh one of the best out there so a couple of holiday tunes next week 
We are going to start a project, gentlemen, and it is the holiday special project. I need for the two, for the three of you, uh, Tony, Dave, and Ray, Thanks, Platt, Pat. maybe. Platt, Thanks, it's going to be like seven hours. Yeah, Do you want the holiday special? You, you're going to yell at me when I pick something. I don't, I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> I'm going to yell at you anyway. Have you? Have we not met? I yell at everybody. You are I'm yelling right now. Amber's gonna come in and tell me to stop yelling. I didn't. She already do that. I, yeah. I swear. I and she's now it. she's gonna do it again because you got me yelling again. God damn it! <laughs> if if you want to come back and participate in the holiday special project, Tony, you're raising your hand. What's up, buddy? Yeah, he doesn't want me here. I will, I will not be here next week. So I will. I will so email no- my list or whatever, and you can read that out. There you go. He's tired of being a flat whisperer. I finally broke him. That's fine. So, <laughs> so this could actually be two episodes and two projects, but it kind of depends on the rest of you all before we move forward. Because we could do a movie one, and you could do like holiday specials you see on TV, or we could just do one list, and you got to narrow it down to ten. David, Dave, and Ray, you are the the regular regular since we kicked Platt out a while ago. Um, <laughs> as he as he pointed out, no. what what do you what do you think? You're talking what top holiday movies of all time, or what is this? Well, I'm saying you, we could do two shows where you do like holiday movies and then like holiday specials, like what do you see on TV, or we could just merge it into one and just do it one. Tony, you got a finger. What's up? I have a suggestion for you. Go for it. Why don't you merge the categories, make a top 10, stretch it out over two weeks, do 10 through five the first week or 10 through six the first week and five through one the next week. That way it won't be super long. I can I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. All righty. And you're going to send us a list so we can share yours too? Awesome. Christopher Platt, of course we love having you on the show, man. Of course, you're always welcome to come and join us every yeah, once in a while. Yeah, okay. Ray, Ray's just Ray's feeling a little threatened. That's why he's doing the little like hand thing. But you know we love. <laughs> you know, we enjoy having you on here. He's my white people. <laughs> um, have you have you seen the Key and Peele sketch with the black the acapella group and the two black guys going off? That's me and Platt right now, like trying to <laughs> try. Right. No, this, this, this is my white folk. You can't take my white folk. And I, I was thinking uh, the scene in Grown Ups when uh, Chris Rock and uh, what's his yeah. name, Tim Meadows. Yeah, they go yeah. back and forth. These are my white people. <laughs> There's That's plenty of white else. people on the chair you have to go around for the <laughs> That is true. That is true. So I did want to just say thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you for providing your perspective and insight. Uh, I really did appreciate you being willing to jump on and uh, and you know get attacked by the four of us. No, just kidding. No, I, no, I, I did. I, I felt like I was like Bruce Lee in Game of Death, and I was hey, fighting for people. As, as a man, as a man on an island, most of the time on this show, if you've listened lately, I've been alone, so I can I can empathize. Like I can't say that I know what you're feeling, but I I think I can understand what was going on. But no, you seriously, hear, you hear that, Ray? Patrick's compared himself to the Lonely Island now. So there you go. <laughs> You want a di- you want a dick in a box for Christmas? Is that where we're going with this? You know, for someone who hadn't talked a lot this whole show, you barely picked a bad time. I'm just I'm just gonna put that out there. I'm trying to thank our good friend Christopher Platt for coming on the show, and this that's what you know. Thank you so much, uh, Chris, for coming. I do I really all, appreciate it. All, 
all jokes aside, man, I, I really enjoyed the conversation that we had a few days ago on our DM. I've enjoyed the conversation that we've had here as well. And thank you guys for allowing me to come on. I always have a great time when I come on here. And it, it's great to have – it's always great to chat with you fellas. So all, all jokes aside, man, the pleasure is all mine. Excellent. And with on that note, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, and all of that fun stuff in the world? Well, I'm on Twitter at the Real C Plaid. Uh, you can catch me on Three Man Weave Monday ish. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll have a conversation off air about that. Also, uh, Pod is War, which debuts every Thursday on TheChairShot.com. And uh, if if I if I may, Patrick, I just want to make sure that everybody goes to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash TheChairShot and pick up an official ChairShot T-shirt. Tis the season. You know you got a wrestling fan in your life. It's probably you. Or whatever it is. Your wallet is already out your hand. Your pocketbook is already out your hand. Why don't you show some love to your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and analysis with attitude by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Please and thank you. Thank you. And please, the chair We're not just a website, folks. We're a movement. Thank you very much, sir. David Ungar, your turn. You were, you were kind of quiet today. Oh man, I'm not. I mean, getting into all this stuff is, uh, you know, <laughs> I enjoyed listening to Chris and Ray and 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 Tunny and you know and you injecting every once in a while, and uh, that's that's fun for me. But uh, I just want. I got one question for you, Patrick. This is my question: Are you watching the Bears game later on? No. Okay, so you know what happened then. No, I I haven't. But did we lose? Okay, cool. I, I'm not telling you. But anyway, you can check me out on Twitter at Attitude. I want to as many fucking games as possible. Fire the whole goddamn team. Fire the front office. They took a, game, the they took a step staff. in the right direction Fire. then. Patrick, Patrick, it was really bad. Yeah. yeah well, guys, I know you guys were up a lot and you lost and it was really bad. Awesome. Not as bad as the way the Jets stayed winless, but that's another story. But uh, you can check me out on Twitter at attitude ag and on facebook.com slash attitude of aggression. And, and yeah, I mean, great conversation today, guys, even though I didn't interject too much, it's just, I, I really enjoyed listening to Chris. I enjoyed listening to Ray. I enjoyed listening to Tony and Patrick and uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. No one knows. We'll see where we go. See you on Christmas day. That's where it'll, the truth will be told. There you go. Tony, you're up. You can find me at PC Tony on the Twitter, and that will tell you everything you need to know. Ray Cash, the Rev. At uh, yeah, you can find me at it's Ray Cash, R E Y as in Mysterio, C A S H as in dollars, and uh, yeah, catch me doing hood rat things with my hood rat friends on the chair shot. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. And you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can listen to me every Monday on Bandwagon Nerds. You can listen to me on Wednesdays on the Greg DeMarco Show with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales. If you didn't catch it, I was on this past week's Badlands podcast giving my Mount Rushmore of NWO wrestlers not named Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, or Kevin Nash. Give it a listen. I was very proud of it. Now, um, follow uh, follow the podcast on the Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds, just the name of the show. And also read the nerd review. This past week, Dave and I reviewed the holiday classic Gremlins. This week, we are busting out the classic comedy Scrooged, starring Bill Murray. 
Very excited to do that on the rewatch. Oh, so yes. look forward to that. Those drop on Thursdays, sometimes Fridays, depending on when we get the article in. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. For Reverend Ray Cash, for the lawyer David Ungar, for the live studio audience, thank you to Christopher Platt for jumping on the show. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds. Now get out of the basement, get some sun, listen to some holiday tunes, maybe a little Jingle Bell Rock, since that seems to be everybody's favorite here on the Bandwagon. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network at thechairshot.com. Bushels of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells chime and jingle bell time. Dancing and prancing in jingle bell square. In the frosty air, what a bright time! It's the right time to rock the night away. <laughs> but it's a trick. No, no, it's much more than that. Uh, whosoever be he worthy shall have the power. <laughs> Whatever, man, it's a trick. <laughs> well, please be my guest. Oh, he's flatlining. Call it. Time? No, 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 I'm going to live forever. <laughs> I'm going to be made of plastic. Guess I should have knocked. Oh, my God. What are you doing here? Disappointing my kids. I'm supposed to go water skiing. I retire for what, like five minutes and it all goes to shit? Please consider the consequences of your actions. Okay, they're considered. Here we gotta go. It's this way. We're still friends, right? Depends on how hard you hit me. I've done the whole mind control thing. Not a fan. Well, I played 18. Shot 18. This can't seem to miss. Well, first time for everything. Made you look. Just like Budapest all over again. You and I remember Budapest very differently. Tractors engaged. You promised to bring that back in one piece, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'll do my best. It's a long way from Budapest. Wow. Under different circumstances. This would be totally awesome. We didn't have to climb a mountain. Technically, he's not a raccoon, you know? Oh, whatever. He eats garbage. Huh? <sighs> 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 Oh, hey, I know you. <laughs>